Okay, so and here we are, episode 101 of Crit Apocalypse, as you aptly You wanted the name of the pubs for the show, didn't you? But no. You, you stumbled. No, you no, I did. No, I had it. I, you can I, see it on the I, waveform. I took, like a slight, I took like a slight moment to let people sell in to my voice. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah smooth, deep voice over the radio. you got to let people just ease into it. Let it come over you like a wave. So this is episode 101 of Crit Apocalypse. Come over you like a bukkake party. Yeah. Like a bukkake party. Mm. You make it sound more dignified than it is. Mm. It's literally just a paddling pool full of jizz. Mm. Um, so this is episode 101 of Crit Apocalypse, The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you aptly named it that in a joking connotation, but I'm taking it as, serious, as a serious suggestion. So as the new Crit Apocalypse, how should we change things up? Uh, I'm going to replace you with... Uh... Someone who's charismatic, you know. That's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah. All right, get that on the back burner. Someone who's on my level. Yeah, you know, charisma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want someone who's got that same energy level all the way through. They don't, don't you know? Don't go too high. Don't go too low. Just straight down the middle. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You want to make this the mellow crit apocalypse, don't you? I'm just gonna get someone cool in. You, know? you get someone cool, like yeah. a jazz jazz flautist. I was about to say jazz flautist. A jazz flautist. Jazz Someone who tells a jazz jazz filled flute and plays it in front of an audience. Yeah. There's a splash zone at that show. Hmm. What was your point? Nothing, really. I was just talking about what we've been up to. What, what have you been up to? How are you doing? I was, I was sitting in my room, just minding my own business, and yeah. then you were like, let's Suddenly do a podcast. I came, in, came in completely naked, sat down on your bed, and said, let's do a podcast. No. No. Let's not be leaving a little ring stain on my bed, man. Freaking... They aren't like kisses. They're more like explosions. Anyway, so this week, who's first? Is it me? Mm-hmm. Do you want to say hello to everyone before we start? No. All right, so this is Crit Apocalypse, episode 101. We start with my fourth review, my my first, first review. review. My first review, tried to skip to the end. My first review this week is going to be Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. Is it now? Yeah, because I haven't reviewed it yet. I didn't realise until the other day when I was going through stuff that I've been playing. I haven't reviewed this yet. Oh, no. I've almost completed the game, so I might as well get a review in now, right? Yeah, sure, why not? Alright, so, Pokemon Let's Go Eevee is a remake. Let's Go Pikachu. What? You get Eevee and not Pikachu. Yeah, because I'm a man. Because I'm a man, and I can until... have either. I can have the lady Pokemon or the man Pokemon. They're going to release a Let's Go friggin' Meowth or something at some point. I'll, Probably. I'll, I'll who, gives who gives let's a fuck? Who gives a Let's Go fly... Mr. Mime. Let... Who gives a floppy ding-dong? Let's Go No one cares about Muck. Mr. Mime. Let's Go Monk. Muck. Oh, I thought you said Monk, as in, like, Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go Monk, and this is an autistic guy who... Yeah, you throw him out murders. and make him fight, like, other TV characters. Yeah, you throw him out. Larry David. Too. Yeah. You know. John McHale from Community. What's his name from Science Film? Oh, Kramer. Kramer, yeah. <laughs> Kramer. And also... He's got uh, him before he does his cry, because it's, you know, yeah. it's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> You get a special bonus if you get him in a pie that has mostly characters from Hello, Hello, but mm. the Nazis. Um, anyway, yeah, so Pokemon Let's Go Eevee. It's a remake of Pokemon Yellow. You go around, there's one slight change, and that's if you remember of your Pokemon um, Pokemon Go, you throw Pokeballs at people, at Pokemon with yeah. a flick of the wrist. I like that. Or with an aim of a controller. Prefer that. What, the aim of the controller? No, just the idea the of, of a wrist. beating the shit out of random wild animals. Yeah. I mean, it does have a better message, and also it's more... I think ex- you should have to lay traps and stuff, though. Yeah, I think that there should be a little bit more to it. The problem mm. is that we've been spoilt for choice of Pokemon for the last five, ten years. Like, how long has it been since Pokemon, the second generation came out? So it's been like 10, 15 well, years? Second generation? Yeah. 
that's like ruby and sapphire. Is that yeah. kind of, or was gold and silver kind of second? No, gold and silver. So it's gold, silver. And yeah, that came crystal. out in like 1999, Did it really come out that long ago? Yeah, gold and silver did. Yeah. Well, know, the first one, first ones were released in ninety four, ninety five in Japan, yeah. and then because they were going on about because people were talking about. Well, I was talking about them when I was at school, and no one else was because Pokemon hadn't launched it yet. And no one was like, I don't know what the hell you're on about. Pocket monsters. Pocket like, monsters. Shut up. What are you fucking talking about? And I'm like, about? no, trust me, it's gonna be bad. huge. Yeah. And then a few years later, Yu-Gi-Oh came about, and yep. that was massive. Yep, I was all about Zoids. Um, so yeah, so Pokemon, let's go. You just do a flick of the wrist, or you do a name of the control. For anyone who doesn't know what Pokemon is, who the fuck are you? Why you listen to this podcast? But if you've been living, don't worry, they'll all find out when Detective Pikachu comes out. This exactly, year. movie. Um, Pokemon is pocket monsters, as, as Ant aptly said. You just throw balls at monsters to capture them and you use them to fight other monsters. It's, yeah, it's essentially cockfighting the video all. game. Yeah, you've got to collect them all. Um, it's it's fine. The game's fine. It, the battles work exactly the same way. You've got four moves. You've got six six Pokemon, Eevee or Pikachu, whichever you pick. You pick. They can be part of your party. They don't need to be though. You can swap them out and have someone else in there, and they just sit on your head and stuff. Um, and shitting down the back of your neck. Shitting down the back of your neck. Um, and all in all, it's a really fun experience. It's a good way of introducing people that um, didn't grow up in our time. So anyone who didn't, who wasn't part of the Pokemon craze back when Pokemon Red, Blue, and, and Yellow were all out, and what well, people and, older than us, baby boomers, yeah, baby boomers, no people older and younger than us. I mean, Pokemon's been around for like twenty odd years. I know, so I know, but you've got to remember that, like, people, kids play Pokemon, little kids love it. I know, but like, the, it wasn't. It wasn't in the same... It wasn't like a monolith. Like, in our time, nobody knew what Pokemon was. I did. No, sorry. In our time, everyone knew what Pokemon was. And I don't feel like it's the same level of madness to it anymore. Like, you've got to remember I mean, that... they're fucking remaking the first Pokemon movie now. Yeah, but you've you've, you've got to remember that if you <laughs> didn't like the games, deal. then you watch a TV show. If you didn't watch a TV show, you were collecting the cards. I think Let's Go Eevee was like the top-selling Switch game until Smash Brothers came out oh, like really? a week later. But anyway, so the game itself, it's good. It's a remake of Yellow, so don't expect it to be like some brand new episode in the series. It is very much a remake. You do feel like a lot of it feels very familiar. If you remember the towns, the towns are the same, which yeah, is nice. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, all in all, I really enjoyed it. It's it's kind of like a walk down memory lane. I think that's, that that can be good and bad because it's been fairly quick and I'm, I'm almost done with it. I think I've been playing like a maximum of six, seven hours and I'm almost done with it entirely. So... There's not much new in there. Yellow was based on the anime, wasn't it? Yeah, so it's more anime team. So you've got Team Rocket and you've got... um, Meowth. That's right. You've got Justin James in this one. You've got that weird relationship between Nash's mum and Mr. Mime. Yeah, you've got Misty. They are fucking... Misty helps you. Brock Brock talks to you a little bit more. There's Tracy in it. Who? Tracy. Who? Tracy was the one who replaced Brock in season two and Tracy drew Pokemon a lot and no one liked him. So they got rid of him and brought Brock back. No one like Tracy. No, no idea about that. Uh, Pokemon Let's Go, though. It's fun. It retreads old ground. It's it's really good, but it is very familiar. I'd say it's it's a, it's very much a... I'm trying to think of an actor that's not problematic now, because there's been a lot that have come out of the woodwork as problematic. Hmm. Um, it's a real John Hamm. It's it's sort of like a jack-of-all-trades. does everything really well. It's just... You know how it's it's sort of the... Like John Hamm, it's the go-to for a good time... But it won't always blow your socks off. It's good in the sandwich. That's a good. I think that's a. That's a what? People. No, John Ham. What the fuck are you talking about? John Ham's a person. Oh. You're talking about Rum Ham. Rum Ham. There you go. All right, and your review. Was that it? You just say what? You're done with Pokemon. Yeah, I just said it's great. Oh, fair enough. Is that? 
I think I was a little bit more succinct there. You just surprised that I actually gave like quite a quite a good review in a very short space of time and didn't it's go only off. Been six minutes. Is it really? Yeah. I mean, that's pretty good for me. Blimey. Are you a bit upset? New Year, new me. Surprise. Yolo. Yeah. <laughs> joined the gym today. Going to gay for a month, are you? Yeah, I joined the gym again today. I used yeah. to be part of the gym group in Guildford. Had a very uncomfortable interaction with another person there. And I didn't go back. I didn't cancel my subscription for two months though. That was back when I worked, when I, when I worked, um, when I worked over at the uh, place in Byfleet. Mm. So I used to go to Tara's and I used to go to the gym after Tara's and I used to come home. And the problem was that, uh, yeah, someone slapped my ass after I had a shower and I got really uncomfortable. Didn't really like that at all. I'd been going there for like two and a half months at the time. And after that, I was just not happy. So I just didn't go back there. I paid it for like two more months though, out of shame, I think. And then I cancelled it. And they were trying to get me to pay a a cancelling fee. And I told them about what happened. And they were like, almost laughing down the phone at me. And I said, that's really uncomfortable. I should meet to that gym, shouldn't I? Fuckers. It was really upsetting. That's what you get for walking into the women's showers, man. (laughs) I don't get that attention from women. I'm a fucking chud. (laughs) Yeah, they were trying to defend themselves from my chud-like body as I dripped Mm. around the showers. Oh, God. Fuck off. (laughs) Get on with you, John Goodman. John Goodman? Yeah, Chud. Yeah. It's his first film appearance. Is it? Yeah. Uh, John, Gid- John Goodman's first film appearance is in Chud as a police officer in a diner that's attacked by Chuds. Oh. Chud, fact of the day. Fun fact. Poor John Goodman. Fun fact, Daniel Stern's also in that film. It's good for him. Good for him. Daniel Stern, he doesn't get to do much nowadays. He gets replaced with Finch Stewart. Just like Matthew Broderick did once. Imagine being replaced by French Stewart in a film. Mm, that's actually a fair point. French Stewart is... Oh, oh, anything beyond further... Poor man's from... Gilbert Gottfried. Actually, saying that, what was that What was that film he did? Clockstoppers? Clockstoppers. So do you remember there was a brief time when when Nickelodeon made like films? Oh, yeah, yeah. And there was a film about a kid who had a digital watch that could slow time. And it was basically Bernard's Watch the Movie, but it was called Clockstoppers. And it had French Stewart as the villain in it. But he wasn't really a villain. He was basically... He was the assistant to the scientist that created the watch. And they tortured him by having him in a room where the reverse... Where the... Instead of the watch... Instead of the watch speed uh, slowing down time, it sped it up so he could work for years in the space of an hour. And obviously this was making him age really quickly and he was wasting away. And they were just like, do it again, do it again. And he couldn't do it. So he went after him trying to murder a kid to get the watch back. Oh, fair enough. Real good film, actually. <laughs> I'd recommend Clockstoppers. It's actually really fun. Cockstoppers. Cockstoppers. Yeah. yeah. Cock gobblers. Cock gobblers. That's what that's what that's what they're called. Well, what am I going to review? I don't know, Anne. Don't, what have you know. been up to? Uh, you know stuff. You know, um, I might as well get it out of the way early, mustn't I? Like pulling off a band aid. What'd you watch? Um, Power Rangers Operation Overdrive. The movie, right? Operation Overdrive. Um, it's the 15th series of Power Rangers. Jeez, Can you believe that? There's 15 episodes of Cryptopocalypse devoted to reviewing Power isn't Rangers. There 29 series in all? 24, 25. 25 series. There's a new all. series starting soon. Okay. Yeah, but um, Operation Overdrive is the 15th anniversary. Um, it's big and special. In Japan, it was based it was based on the series from Japan called Bokenja, which um, is a very warmly received series of uh, Super Sentai and has the distinction of being the first Super Sentai series presented in widescreen. Okay. Power Rangers Operation Overdrive isn't presented in widescreen. It's okay. in 4.3, which leads to some issues, because obviously there's going to be sequences shot for widescreen, 
and now they're going to have to present them in 4-3. So do you know what they do to fix it? What? They just squish the screen. So the Rangers have the amazing ability to occasionally get a little bit thinner by approximately 15.5% or something. Um, and it is very noticeable. Happens a I lot. Mean, how could that be noticeable? Sometimes I'm just like, dude, pan and scan, you know? Or just do it in widescreen. It was 2007 or something. Like, people were using widescreen now for everything. 2007, man, that's, that's the future. Yeah, but anyway, so the series is like, it's at that point where you could tell Disney... Because Disney were trying to kill Power Rangers, essentially. They they were getting money for the toys and stuff, but they didn't want to have to make this show. And there yeah. was apparently executives who didn't understand why they didn't just dub the show from Japan. I mean, that's actually kind of a great way to think, though. Yeah. <laughs> the slacker, lazy bastards. That's not the slacker but, way um, of doing it. That's... But Operation Overdrive has got a very distinct feeling of a lack of care going into it and stuff. There's oh, okay. like... Power Rangers isn't particularly known for having really good writing, but this is like this is poor for Power Rangers standards. Like there is, there is some shocking, like complete blind oversights in the story where it will just skip over elements or like it will just forget things entirely. There's an episode where, like really early on as well, one of the Rangers is like they all come from different backgrounds. They're all yeah. adventurers or stuntmen or race drivers or thieves and all this sort of stuff. I thought you were going to say racist then for yeah, a second. Racist, like, someone just yeah. in the, the white ranger yeah. shouting at a minority and they're like, God, we need him on the team. Look at his tenacity. <laughs> but one of them, one of them's a thief. Um, and funny, he's played by an actor called Samuel Bento. We will get to him later. He deserves a mention. Is it? Is he good? He well, we don't care if he's good. But okay, so he's a thief before he was a ranger. Yeah. And the theme of this series is adventure, and they're going around the world collecting jewels and artifacts, ancient artifacts, to save the day and stuff. Yeah. Um, and in one of the early episodes, it opens with a scene where they're in Morocco. They're going to look for some ancient artifact. They get there, and someone's beating them to it. And it's not there. What? And all that happens in the scene is them going, "Well, we've been beaten to it. Oh no, let's get back to base." Next scene is, like, all the rangers except for the black ranger, Samuel Bender, who is also black, so that was a problem years before, <laughs> but not now, because now he's taking it back. Yeah. Like Dante, like Randall. In, in, he's he's taking it back. Yeah. What was the, uh, what was the term? I'm not saying the term. You need to say no. the term. But, um, no, so come on. Like, he's not there, yeah. right? And they were like, oh, where's, what's his face? I've forgotten his name because he's a twat. Um, and they go, oh, he's been, he's talking to Mr. Hartford. Mr. Hartford, the billionaire philanthropist who's running the Power Rangers to a do full this. Full on whole. rapist. Full on rapist, yeah. Um, <laughs> so he's like, just not there. Yeah. And then Mr. Hartford comes out and he goes, okay, guys, because of his actions, I've had to fire the Black Ranger from the team, but he's ran off with the Morpher. And the rest of the team are like, oh, what? None of them go, what did he do? The only scene we've seen in this episode is them get into the thing and he's not then there's no duel there or whatever like he didn't do anything like a few episodes earlier he was a bit of a trouble and he was trying to strike out on his own and they sorted that out in that episode yeah but there was no like he didn't steal anything they didn't even say he didn't even say oh he was secretly stealing documents and selling them to people or stuff like that they just gloss over it and obviously the whole episode is like he joins the bad guys, but really it's a ruse. He's secretly a spy, and the Rangers <gasps> had to believe he would really tricked them. I thought he was actually yeah. tricking them. But um, yeah, it's just stuff like that goes throughout the whole series. But oddly, there's one plot twist in the series, which is really nicely signposted the whole way through, and they did a really good job of being relatively subtle for a kid's show. Yeah. And that's like all the Rangers, when they get their special Ranger abilities, they go into a device, and it's supposed to rewrite their DNA to make them super-powered and stuff. Yeah. But the Red Ranger, Hartford's son, he goes in the machine, and as he's in there, the... Is the butler who's like you know basically like Alfred 
Yeah. Effectively, he's like, "Don't worry, Mister. I recalibrated the machine especially for him." So, like, oh, what? Why? Does he want to specifically choose powers? Maybe. And then later on, there's stuff like, you know, he gets incredibly bad luck, and Mister Hartford's like, "That shouldn't have been possible. He shouldn't be poss- shouldn't be possible for him to get bad luck and all this sort of stuff." And there's all these little little hints. They get a photo of him when he was a kid, and they're like, "Dude, what's going on with the Photoshop in this image? Like the shadows go in the wrong direction and stuff." Yeah. Like, it's not Photoshop. That was me when I was ten. And stuff like that. And it's nicely subtly hinted at. There's a really good one. There's a really good subtle hint. But it turns out that basically he's an android and he's only two years old. Oh. He's like Hartford with his billionaire money made himself a son because he never had one. He was too busy adventuring. So he's got like a, he made a son basically. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So the last like 15-ish, 10, 15 episodes is Mac just basically struggling with, no, like he's not really a son. So he stops calling Mr. Hartford his dad. He start. He just starts calling him Mr. Hartford all the time. He keeps throwing himself into danger because he's like, "Well, you could easily replace me, whatever." And he gets like, it's actually really nicely done. That stuff. Everything else is terrible, but that that's really <laughs> nicely done. The best subtle hint though is that in the episode before you find out he's an android, they're having a Halloween party and he's dressed as a robot. <laughs> so, and <laughs> signposting. Yeah, that was really that was really kind of funny. When you know what the plot twist is, it's like that's fucking genius. Um, because you see Mr. Hartford and the butler come in and they see him dressed as a robot and they're like and they're like looking at each other for a second. I'm going to unplug my bloody keyboard because it's a piece of shit. Keyboard keeps disconnecting. That makes that noise. Yeah, every time. And you were getting so excited talking about how the butler might be the robot daddy of this child. No. But anyway, um, the series is generally regarded as one of the worst series of Power Rangers and I think it would probably, most people would say it's like in the bottom tier completely if it wasn't for Super Mega Force, which I'm going to get to in a few weeks, I guess, or months. Um, but it is, like, I don't know if I think it's worse than Power Rangers Turbo. Turbo was pretty awful. Yeah. Well, Turbo, Turbo has was, a couple of good episodes and then... I was going to say, Turbo is the one with the film that everybody hates. The film? The film's fun. Like, it's not very good, but it's no, fun. It's, I, I can't... <laughs> that's the problem, though. I, yeah. I could never get on with the film. Yeah, it's not just... It's got the best Ranger... Um, Zord combining sequence I think that film has but um, they, they actually they had to reshoot it all for the film because it's widescreen oh, yeah. and the TV series in Japan is not so they had to reshoot every effect to make it widescreen but you know they could have done Operation Overdrive in widescreen though years later the amount of effort they've gone through is fucking serious yeah 11 years later and they couldn't bother to get some widescreen cameras they probably had what well, I bet they used widescreen capable cameras and they cropped it and then just when they got the Super Sentai footage, they squished it. Oh, you think they did a full-on fucking um, Tommy Wiseau and filmed, yeah. it in, filmed it in HD and in... Yeah, it wasn't in HD. They don't go HD for two more series. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, there's all sorts of three more series, actually, because I'm a series, but I've got another series next next time. Oh. Um, but yeah, it's it's just messy. There's some, there's some cool stuff in there. There's some nice Zords. I like the main Zord. It's got a very old-fashioned Zord look to it. Steampunk. Like, where it's like, no, not steampunk. I mean, it looks like the Zords from the early 90s. Oh, okay. Um, loads of the monsters have elements of design that look like old Zords, which is like a, because it was an anniversary series in Japan as well. It was the 25th anniversary series. Okay. I think in Japan, or 35th. It might have been, 30, might have been 30, 30th. I can't remember one of them, whatever. Um, but anyway, Samuel Benter. Let's get on to him. Because he's worth mentioning, because remember, he's a thief in the show, right? Samuel Benta is banned from going to any Power Rangers conventions because at Power Morphicon, the big Power Rangers convention event, yeah. they were they had some banners, like four of these banners, and they were getting the cast and crew to sign them, and they were going to auction them off to make money for charity for he a kid's cancer show. He stole one of the banners and refuses to give it back. 
and he's still working in the industry. You go to his Twitter account, it's all about being, you know, a good person. Life, he's got like, he's like, you know, those things on Facebook that are all like life affirming message bollocks. Yeah. And he's like that, the Twitter account. Like, that's all he is. And he's still acting. He's been in like the bill and all sorts of stuff over the year. I think the bill got cancelled shortly after he was in it, but he's been in like Holby City and stuff like that. And he's like, He's a literal. He stole fucking. Essentially, stole money from a kid's cancer charity. The piece of shit. Like, and it's amazing that that's not the worst thing a Power Ranger has done outside of. Oh no! There's that one guy who tried to kill his roommate. He did kill his mate. He killed his oh, roommate yeah. with a samurai sword. Yep. <laughs> like how? Like imagine being such a piece of shit and you're still not the worst Power Ranger. It's got to be kind of hard, hasn't it? You've got to aim yeah. high to get there. Yeah. The good thing is, though, is that like he was the worst piece of shit Power Ranger because what's his face? Carlos Mendoza Jr. hadn't murdered his roommate yet, and he does make another appearance in Power Rangers before he does that as one of the villains. Oh, in, that's good. Yeah, he's one of the villains in Megaforce, and oh, by the cool. time the series has ended, he had been arrested. <laughs> he'd been caught. Yeah, but he'd already been filmed and everything for his murders. Yeah, which is quite quite incredible. The funny thing is, is that his alter his character in the Japanese version of the show. That was really good in the role. He's called Basco in the Japanese version. Yeah, um, speaks fluent English. He's like he's raised in America. He's got an. He's got a. Why don't they just fucking use yeah. it then? Yeah, because you could have used all the Sentai footage, couldn't you? Yeah, you wouldn't have had to erase him from the Japanese footage. God, this is ridiculous. Yeah, but um, yeah, but Operation Overdrive, bit of a mess. Terrible theme tune. It sounds like some shitty Black Eyed Please Bees mistake or something. Mm. Which so did um, Mystic Forces theme tune as well. Actually, let's get Come it started. In here. There's a fun let's crossover episode though. Um, it's got a good bit in it. So the, crossover, the crossover episode, um, this is its 15th anniversary, you've got to make a big deal of it. The Rangers get cut off on the morphing grid, and so they bring together a team of best Rangers, even one from the future who they wouldn't have heard of for another, like, 12 years. Okay. Whatever. Um, and now he's a Red Ranger and not the Blue Ranger, which he was at the end of that series, but he was the Green Ranger during the series. He got promoted to Blue Ranger at the end of SPD, and now he's a Red Ranger, apparently. Holy shit, okay. Yeah, so they oh, just... cool. Five minutes of exposition they wasted explaining that in the episode when they could have just left him blue and no one would have questioned it. Whatever. <sighs> they needed a red ranger on the team. Anyway, there's a sequence where they go to Angel Grove and, you know, you'd think, shit, Angel Grove, that's awesome. That's where the original power is, a warehouse. They're only going to a warehouse. They're looking <laughs> For some reason, Alpha's body, his robot Alpha is inside a box. And there's a brilliant sequence where it goes through all the rangers and it plays their theme tunes. Yeah. And they're all doing a fight sequence and using their powers and stuff, but it's a stunt double, obviously. Yeah. And there's lots of the thing where they bring their arm up in front of their face yeah. to hide yeah. so you can't see what they're doing. And you, you notice it when it's five sequences in a row, but the fifth sequence is Adam, the black ranger from the original, from series two onwards. Oh, and he came Johnny, back. Johnny Young Bosch. Yeah. He came back as the leader of the new team and he he's did. not got a stunt double. He's not got superpowers. That bastard does it all in one take. It's like a nice sequence, and he's like leaping through a frigging like yeah, forklift truck. And he's kicking, yeah, and he's kicking all sorts of ass, and he beats all the monsters out with no magic powers. And he goes, "It's old school, but it works." Do you remember? Do you remember <laughs> the the? I I don't know if it's good or bad to talk about this, or if it's looked down upon. But do you remember the fake Power Rangers movie with James Vanderbeek? Oh, that shit there one with frigging... It wasn't shit, it that was, was bad. interesting. It was terrible. No, it was that was interesting. It was the one done by What's-His-Face who rarely finishes anything. What's yeah, it? the guy who does like... Adi Shankar. Shankar. There you go, Adi Shankar, yeah. yeah. His bootleg films. Yeah, yeah I thought was, that was, was, that was pretty decent. It's fucking awful. No, it wasn't, that was fine. It's all like, I'm Rangers and I say fuck now. Yeah, that was stupid, but it was just, <laughs> you know, it's like anything else. You've got to grow with your audience. And that was go, the go, Power Rangers. New money morphing heroin rangers. The Black Ranger's going to say fuck. Yeah, the Black Rangers. That's the name of the episode. <laughs> wasn't he also... I don't know, it wasn't Trisha Helfer, wasn't it, wasn't she? I can't remember. 
What's her face from Battlestar Galactica? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. She was meant to be um, friggin' the Pink Ranger, Amy. Yeah. Amy Jo Johnson, Kimberly. She died in real life. No, she didn't. Yellow Ranger died. Oh, Yellow Ranger died. Sorry. Fucking idiot. Yellow Ranger's now the Red Ranger in the comics. See, look, this is why you're the man who watches yeah. Power Rangers. In the Power Rangers comics, some weird shit happened. All the Rangers have swapped colours. Have they? Yeah, so Trini's now the Red Ranger. And Zack's the Pink Ranger. Oh, well, finally. Yeah. Finally, the Black Ranger isn't the Black Gun. <laughs> Anyway, Operation Overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it gets a strong... I want to Jungle Fury now, which is I'm, I'm really enjoying. It's like, it's really quite good. Yeah. Um, another thing that ruins Operation Overdrive, there's four sets of villains. Why? There's two villains in it that are fucking amazing. Yeah. They're brilliant. One's a nice guy. He keeps pissing off his brother, who's a bit of an idiot, and his idiot brother is... Just all angry, and he's made of his molten lava theme. They're the only two you need. The rest of them are bollocks. Mm. Just those two. They're brilliant. They're amazing together. Um, but it just they just have four villains in the series. It's just endless nonsense. I don't know. But anyway, Jungle Fury is really good. That's what I'm going to watch, and that's what I'm going to review next She's time. She's got Jungle Fury. She's got Jungle Fury. No, it's Operation Overdrive. Operation Overdrive. Second worst series of Power Rangers. Second go with that. worst series of Power Rangers. Your second review. Get on with it. My second review is going to be something that everybody is talking about right now. In fact, breaking news. A woman just crashed her car trying to reenact a key scene in it. I'm talking about Bird Box. Oh. Or as I like to call it, The Happening 2. Yeah. Because of the same fucking movie. I don't know you why the Bird people... Box Challenge right now. Oh, I don't... You could in a podcast. It'd actually be one of the few situations where it's where it'd safe. Be acceptable, yeah, it'd be yeah. fine. I don't know why people love this film so much. It's not... It's like... Oh! So, if you, don't, if, if you don't listen to the podcast often, if you're a new listener, I love horror films. One of my all-time favourite films is Return of the Living Dead. You know, I'm also a fan of things like Nosferatu. Shadow of a Vampire in particular I like because it's a change in, in the way that things work. It's a new approach to, to an old film. And I... I, I that's how to do like a remake or a reimagining of an idea. Yeah. And speaking of Shadow of the Vampire, they both have John Malkovich in it. So yes, it's a point. And yes, I'm allowed to bring it up. Fuck you. They're all a tangent. It's all together. You it's can't fine. talk about Shadow of the Vampire. Talk now, about Bird Box. So let's talk about Bird Box. So Bird mm. Box is set in a fictional world where suddenly these these monsters that you don't see um, are just appearing. That's good for the budget. Yeah, appearing. And when people look, they're at not them, appearing. That's the problem. Well, they're they're <laughs> you can't appearing, see them. They're, they're appearing in the, this reality. And when people look at them, not the audience. The audience never see them. But when the characters look at them, they are suddenly compelled to kill themselves. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. This sound like sound like something to you. Do you want to know how the monsters? How you you know the monsters are there? Okay, because it's not birds. They find out later. No, there's a breeze. You, what does this remind you of? That's right, Cell from 2012 starring John Cusack and Samuel L. Jackson. No, it reminds you the of the Cell fucking starring Jennifer. It is the exact Lopez. same plot as The Happening. And people, people aren't saying what? this. No. <laughs> what? No. What? I'm a scientist. Hey there. You're trying to kill me. <laughs> what? I'll no. turn this grass out of the ground before it can get me. I'm Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so these Try little boy, you just keep on running there. <laughs> so all these characters, um, so sorry, all the characters react in in a completely, completely reasonable way. They hold up in a house and they basically try and survive on the supplies. The mm. house belongs to, to John Malkovich, who sadly loses his wife when she goes out to try and help, um, help Sandra Bullock. Uh, mm. Bullock, fuck's sake. 
Sandra Bullock because she's fallen over and she's a pregnant lady and the, the wife takes pity on her and says, oh, I'll come out and help you. And as she's helping Sandra Bullock up, she sees one of the monsters, immediately goes, mother, mum, whatever, some sentimental shit, and then goes and sits in a car that's on fire. Yeah, sits in a car that's on fire. That's not, Sandra, be Sandra, a car when it's on fire. <laughs> Sandra, Sandra Bullock runs to the house, and it's there that we start to meet our trio, uh, well, our trio, our group of characters, and find out their different motivations. Some of them, it's simple as, I'm having a baby and I want to protect my kid. Others, it's, I, you know... I want to do stuff right by the people in my life that are no longer around. Others, they experiment with the ideas. Like, there's um, there's one scene that has a bit of tension in it, but all tension is completely lost because one of the narrative structural decisions made by the director was that they're going to have flash-forwards to when Sandra Bullock is going down a, going down a river. And when she's going down the river, she's there with two children and no one else. Mm. So clearly every character that we're meeting up until this point, in some, at some point in the story, is going to leave it or die. So why the fuck would you do that? Who? Anyway, we need, I'm not going to get angry because it's stupid. Well, you can do that if, she, if she's going to learn a lesson on the river that she should have learned from before. And that the flashbacks are her recollecting events from earlier. I'm going to spoil the movie something. for you, so don't worry. I'm going to explain how I that doesn't does. happen. Yeah, it won't happen. It doesn't happen no, because it's a Netflix movie directed by a fucking moron. Anyway, back to Blight. <laughs> so Blight. <laughs> so she. Um, so she's joined by this character group of people. John Malkovich is very sturdy and very rightly at the beginning says, "We're not letting any more people in. This is my house." This is enough people. We need to make sure that supplies last for as long as possible. But what do they do? The first person who comes knocking on the door, Sandra Bullock, goes and answers the door, lets him in, and she's like, come on in. So at that point, there's two pregnant women, Sandra Bullock and this other person who is so fucking irritating and coddled and so shitty as a person. She's just like, I want to name it Ariel or, you know, Prince Charming or something from Disney films. And I was just immediately like, I was like, well, that's where the idiots have gone. They've gone to that character because she's lovely and she's unrealistic and she's fucking stupid and irritating. She's so weak and she doesn't know how to do anything for herself. And I can imagine this is every one of those council estate mums living with their fucking parents are stupid cunts. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I'm getting irritated because we're getting closer to Brexit. And I keep remembering that those are the people on, on, on the keyboards going like, I can't believe we give the EU money that they can give my baby. No, they knew it was going to be terrible. And that's what oh, they voted for. God. They voted for... Uh, anyway, we're not getting into Brexit. Bird box. Stay focused, man. Like a fucking laser beam. Is there so, a box of birds in it? Yeah, there is. Oh, so, um, so uh, basically what they do is they eventually, they come up with the idea that they're going to coat a car a bit like near dark. They're going to coat a car and stuff so they can't see out. And they're going to use the uh, the guidance sensor. You know the... You know the... the um, What's it fucking called? The um, the sensor on cars that detect when there's stuff close by. Mm-hmm. To drive just down the road and get to a shop. And that's it. That's all they're going to do and they're going to get supplies and they're going to come back. Okay? And it, it, not very tense because we know some of the characters are going to die. The only people left are going to be Sandra Bullock and these two kids. Two kids haven't appeared yet so I'm guessing the pregnant lady survives long enough till term. You gave away your fucking ending, you stupid cunts. Anyway, so... They're driving, they get to the shop, and John Malkovich says, look at the supplies, we could stay here, we don't need to go back out there, it's dangerous out there, there's no point, let's stay here, let's survive. Which is actually quite an intelligent point at that, up to that point in the story, that's a smart that idea. Plot to the mist, or the fog, or whatever it was. No, no, it, there's no mist or fog. So oh. that would have been a good idea, because everything they knew up until that point, that would make sense. The monsters don't seem to eat the stuff that people need, because they can still find stuff in the areas around them. 
So staying in a place where there's food that they can eat and survive, that makes sense. John, Val- John Malkovich is completely dismissed by Sandra Bullock. She's like, there's other people back in the house. And he's like, who gives a fuck? You don't need to be nice. It's the apocalypse. And he's right again. It's about survival. Yeah. Your odds of survival are better if you've got an abundance of food. Again, this is a point in the story where we already know everyone dies, but we also don't have any sort of threat that's going to make them die except for their own eyes looking out at monsters. And the monsters don't really have any physical... They, they don't have the ability to affect things physically. They seem to just be like an entity floating around, right? Yeah. So we're introduced to the next antagonist and, and, and group of antagonists in the stories, and those are people that are crazy or mentally ill. It's not really described very well in the story, but there are varying levels of, of maniac. Um, they can see the monsters, and instead of wanting to kill themselves, they want other people to look upon them like, like gods. Like They want to show them. The monsters. Right. So whilst they're in the shop gathering surpri- supplies, they they open a door, and as they open the door, they feel the breeze coming in. They're like, oh, no, close Sounds the door. an awful lot like one of Stephen King's, like, you know, the TV adaptations of a Stephen King Yeah, it's movie. like... It's like that like sort of quality. Stuff. It's, it's like you've got an idea that sounds scary in a book that. that doesn't work in... It's so much worse than that, because the, the antagonists have no complex Tommy ideas. Knockers. The antagonists have no complex ideas. There's one that does, but it goes against everything else we learn in the story. About Langoliers, do you remember that one? Yeah, but the, and then the heroes don't really have any any arc, like any any real. They're not likable people. None of them. John Malkovich is actually that's a lie. There is one likable character in the whole film, and it's not Sandra Bullock. Before you say it's Sandra Bullock, it's Bullock. Bullock, Bullock? Fuck's sake. There's a there's a there's a black dude who's played by. I've seen him in something else, and I can't remember what it fucking was. Um, but he plays an ex-soldier who is kind of, he's kind of like the de facto leader. John Malkovich owns the house, but he makes rational decisions. But he's often, his rationality is challenged by Sandra Bullock being more emotional because of the pregnancy and stuff. Not because she's a woman, because it's shit screenplay. But she, he's often challenged by, so there's a point where the big fat stupid pregnant woman who's like an idiot and can't do anything, she gets to the house and Sandra Bullock is the one who wants to open the door. He defends her decision to open the door because he's already shown that he's affectionate towards Sandra Bullock. Uh, and that kind of goes against everything we learn about him up to that point, because he's quite rational before then. But anyway, this was the point. besides the point, Matt, get back on target. So they go back to the house, right, with their supplies, and they make plans on how to survive. A knock on the door happens again. And oh, this no. time, this time it's Tom Hollander. I believe it's Tom Hollander is the character I'm thinking of. Is the actor, sorry, I'm thinking. Is he of. the one that's a little bit more Hollandy than Tom Holland? No, he's the guy who played one of the admirals in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. You know who I mean? Yeah, 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 sure. So he, he turns up and he's oh, like. shit, Machine Gun Kelly's in it. In what? In this, Machine Gun Kelly. He is plays it, Felix. He's got his name down as Colson Baker in the credit. You know, Machine Gun Kelly? He's one of them friggin' rappers yeah, for he was White in, Boys. He's, he's in Viral, which is actually a good film. Anyway, so. Ooh, BD Wong. Yeah, BD Wong's in it. Is he? Wait, B.D. Wong? Yeah, B.D. Wong, Greg. Oh, yes! He's old Greg! He looks super young in this. You wouldn't think it was him. B.D. Wong's a lovely person. He's 50-odd, isn't he? Yeah, he's like 800 years old. Um, But anyway, so anyway, we're not going to get to that. We're not going to get to that. Tom Hollander enters into the house. He's like, I was on a business trip. He seems very rational. He seems very nice. And and the first opportunity he gets, which is when Sandra Bullock and and, um, Fat Irritating Lady are giving birth, he starts opening his bag. Now, they've locked John Malkovich in, a, in the garage because they're pissed off that John Malkovich keeps saying stop letting people in, and rightly so, because this guy turns out to be a nutcase. But, you know... So they've locked away the only sane person. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, and yeah, yeah, basically. Um, and the insane guy that they've let in, who who by that point must have been living with them for days, so somehow he's been able to keep himself seeming like a completely rational human being for days, waiting for this opportunity. Suddenly gets the opportunity. So what does he do? He goes and gets his bag and he starts spreading out all these drawings he's done of the monsters, and then starts meticulously dismantling the group by doing things around the place. So he knocks out the black soldier guy. He opens the garage door that John Malkovich is in. So John Malkovich is, like, basically exposed to the outside world and the monster can get him, but he covers his eyes because that's all you need to fucking do. Um, oh, but later on you find out they have another trick that's never explained or never told about in the film, which is fucking ridiculous. The whole film just goes, oh, his new challenge It's fucking stupid. So Tom Holland opens all these things. He opens a window and the fat, an irritating pregnant bitch who's just given birth, she sees it and she's like, and Sandra Bullock's like, give me a baby, give me a baby, give me a baby. She's like, I'm going to, and we know the baby's going to be fine because she's got two kids in the fucking boat. And we know that there's two kids there. Sandra Bullock hasn't given birth to twins. So there's no tension. Why is there, why do they think there's tension in these scenes? Because they and want you to think about the bit where she's Netflix got the blindfolds. Going, people watching this on fucking Netflix going, this is amazing. And I'm like, this is fucking shit. Oh, God, people are idiots. Why does this keep happening? Anyway, so. Um, so I don't think it's been watched as much as they make out. Because a lot of people leave autoplay on Netflix and it just starts playing after everything they've watched. Everyone I've spoken to has said, oh, you've seen Bird Box. You've watched Bird Box on uh, Netflix. Bird Box. Anyone. Fucking ridiculous. The whole film's built around blindfolds and them trying yeah. to make a viral... Yeah, that's no. all it is. It's good marketing. But anyway, yeah. so... um, So, yeah, so... So, it ends up that it's just the black guy... They didn't do that around Holmes and Watson, did they? No. It's just the black guy who's the ex-soldier... Yeah, shit, he, challenge. Him and Sandra Bullock and the two kids managed to get away. And they live in this... Not perfect. It's difficult. They live in... They sailed directly into Annihilation. That's into another film. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we're away from those weird monsters now that make us kill ourselves. <laughs> oh, is that oh, a bear? So majestic. Ah! So, <laughs> so, the four characters remaining, they get away and they, they create a life for themselves. And for about five years, they managed to survive quite well. Sandra Bullock has named the children Boy and Girl. Because she doesn't want to grow attached to them, just in case anything happens. So instead of naming them, she's boy and girl. And by the way, yes, I am already making the prediction. As many YouTubers and film reviewers have, I reckon this year boy and girl are going to be popular names. Yeah. Because this fucking film. Because these fucking people are fucking like stupid. Like Columbo's dog are dog. Fucking stupid. Anyway, so, um, so yeah, so they're living in like a fairly idyllic way. And it doesn't seem like there's any struggle or strife. Sandra Bullock goes out and finds stuff. She gets a bit scared when she hears cars driving around. But obviously we know that there's a threat from people that have seen the monsters that are acting crazy. And they just like basically... They're much like zombies, but not zombies. They mm. seem to just be like normal people that like basically tug your eyes on. That was the, actually the only time that I felt like there was any real tension to this was when... They, the scene in which... What they do is they quite roughly with the actors, which is a nice little bit of acting in the shitty film... They grab their eyes and they just pull them apart. Like they separate them apart. So nice. And it's really, you know, that, that sort of visceral image is good. Why couldn't they just do that more? Like instead of having it so the crazy people are just, ah, I'm crazy, look out the window. Instead of, that, instead of that, have them covered by an aura. Like they always have a monster, like a shadow around them. So it's not, it's not looking, it's not looking directly at the person. Like they can hide it for a little while, but then it just sort of starts seeping out of them. Like the insanity affects stuff around them. Like a J horror, like, like a really well thought out idea instead of this shit. Instead of this toilet paper someone found in a McDonald's bathroom after the recent fucking cheesy explosion. Anyway, so, um, 
So in what do they do with the bird box though? So the bird box, the idea is that birds get, you know, when the monsters are around, birds kind of get riled up, so they start flying, chirping and stuff. But we already know that the breeze kicks up when you see the monsters. So why aren't they using that? Because everywhere they go is covered in leaves. So every time the monster's coming, you like hear the leaves flying up like it's like a little tornado. And nobody goes, oh! They just go like, what was that? Oh, leaves! Oh, I got killed myself! That's it. That's the film. So anyway, so in in the only good fucking scene in the whole film, right? So Sandra hears the cars. She goes back home. She goes and tells her husband. She says, there's people in the area. We need to move. Which seems like their way of, you know, dealing with stuff. Just pack stuff up. We'll move. Because nothing means anything. It's the apocalypse. is a change of status quo. That's fine. That makes sense. I like that. Um, But as they're leaving to go, putting on their blindfolds and they're following, they have like a guide rope that leads out towards the stream. Hmm. And then the guide rope cuts off for a brief amount of time and then they basically have other guide ropes off in other directions. And so they basically pick one and just go off. Um, so they're following it off and the black guy stays behind because he, he gets shot by one of them. So he stays behind sort of, basically he stays behind to have his hero moment and, and sort of save the kids. Um, before he, sh- he gets shot though, in, in you know, um, Once Upon a Time in Mexico. Hmm. So once upon a time in Mexico, my favorite scene in that is Johnny Depp's just had his eyes removed. Oh yeah, yeah. And he and he he fires everywhere, and the guy starts laughing at him, and because he hears the guy laughing, he's able to shoot at him, Hmm. and that's how he catches him off guard. It's very similar in this. So basically, the guy goes out, and he's got a shotgun, he's got the blindfold on, he's got the shotgun down. He hears someone say they're over here, and he immediately pegs that guy, takes him out, and then another guy shoots and catches him in the side. So that guy gets shot, and then immediately as he's going down, he sort of spins a shotgun in their direction and fires and gets them as well. And it's a really nice, because he is a soldier. He's got that training. He knows how to fire a gun. He knows how to hear things. His perception's probably a little bit better than most people because he's focused on surviving. And um, and they go around the corner of this like little alcove where he's hidden, and they look down, and all there is is like a little bit of blood, and then he's taking his blindfold off because he knows he's going to die. He's been shot. It's probably quite a bad wound. And he's taking his blindfold off and then immediately he just comes out of the corner and begs two more people. And then he picks up the gun from another person because he's out of shotgun ammo. And he starts trailing through the woods and he hears, he hears something behind him and he turns around, sees the monster. As he sees the monster, they're sort of, they have a weird effect that the outside the iris, um, the outside the pupil, sorry, the iris starts changing colors. Yeah. So it's more like it has a more random pattern instead of just being a solid color or being, you know, several colors. It has like a weird wavy pattern as if you've been affected. And as he, as he sees that, he lifts his gun up and you can see him struggling. And it's that really nice scene in which someone gets that little hero moment where they get the final peg off and he, he takes the guy out, but then he immediately just takes the gun, puts it on his chin and fires. And I was like, oh, come on, have one character fight back against the program. Have something in this that challenges these stupid rules that you break every five minutes. Suicide's yeah. cool, though, now, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, and then they get on the boat, and then we see the resolution to that. And um, and here's where here's where I find this interesting. So I read the book. When I heard this was being made into the film, I read the book, which I often do. Because I always like to I like to have like a good base, especially when it's someone like this. Because I, I thought, wouldn't bother. Well, the book's not long, and it's and it sounded more interesting than this. So in the book, there is a little bit more to it. Characters are a little bit more fleshed out, as they always are in literature. But the ending has a nice stinger. So in this, they get they get on the boat, and the idea is that someone will have to take the blindfold off because the rapids are too strong for people to just go down them. You need to be able to see where you're going or you'll die. Mm. So Sandra Bullock has been building the children up to do this. She's saying like, okay, boy or girl, one of you will need to take your blindfold off. And in the final second, she can't make the choice. 
She, despite making these children as disposable as possible in her eyes by naming them nothing... Well, she would have been able to do it. <laughs> she's not been able to do it. So I thought that what's obviously going to happen is she'll realise that to get through this, she'll be the one who has to take responsibility. Because this whole time she's not been taking responsibility. She's been doing what everyone else told her or she's been making mistakes and making bad choices based on emotion rather than survival. And, you know, just all in all, it's just she's been like a faux survivor. So I thought she's going to take the blindfold off and it'll be just like that guy. There'll be those few seconds where she's just fighting against the program and she's just like, got to get through these rapids. And then as soon as she's out of the rapids, she sees the kids and she just starts smacking her head against a stone on the floor and just dies. Mm-hmm. And the kids just make it to safety because that'd be it. But no, everyone keeps their blindfolds on and they magically manage to find the place where all the other survivors are and they get to live happily ever after. Oh. And during the time in between, so there's like a five minute sequence in which they're running through the woods. It turns out that the monsters also have the power to whisper like people that you know to try and convince you to take your blindfold off. Which you'd instantly be like, this is fucking stupid. No. Why would I take my, all right, touch my face if it's you. Hold my hand if it's you. Say something only you would know. No? Well, I'm not going to fucking listen then, am I, you stupid fucking ghost monsters? And they get there and they find out there's a school for the blind and it's like this big school and they're like, no, everybody's blind here so no one can be crazy. And it's like, well, there's still crazy people. Who gives a fuck? And apparently the only way to get to the school for the blind, which is a really cruel joke on the writer's behalf, is by a dangerous rapids. There's no paths. (laughs) No. (laughs) There's no roads and no paths because apparently they're safe there. Yeah, they must be badass blind kids. They're probably freaking... (laughs) It's like in the hand. Yeah. Just a bunch of ninjas. Yeah. But anyway, so in the book, it's slightly different. This is the interesting thing that I don't know why they didn't do it. So in the book, they come across a place. It's much of the same. It's it's the same stupid thing. There's rapids and she doesn't take a blindfold off all that shit. But they get to the school and it turns out that all the people in the school aren't students. It is a school for the blind, but there are only like five people there because it was like an off season. It's like summer. So all the people that are there that have gone there, they've gone to the school for the blind. They're so scared of seeing these monsters and killing themselves. They've blinded themselves. And then the people that are there have taught them Braille and taught them how to get around. And, you know, that's that's kind of fucking... That's like a good ending. Yeah. That's like at least shocking, you know? That's like the ultimate version of the lesson that Sandra Bullock should have learned. That survival, adapting, evolving, becoming that survivor instead of just following along with whatever happened. Instead, she just followed along with whatever happened again and then it's fine. And like, there's no lessons learned. There's no narrative structure that makes sense. There's no tension because you've removed it. There's none of this. There's none of... It's just stupid. Who does this? People don't... People just watch shit horror and... Hunters. I know, but it's like if... It's Saw 2. People hate Saw 2, but I stand by Saw 2 being an interesting film. But it'd be like if Saw 2 went, Your son's in the safe. That's don't what happens. Sit up. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He gives him a clue. No, he doesn't. He literally says, your son's in a safe place. And then yeah. the camera pans over to the safe. No, it doesn't. It does. It pans over to the safe. I watched it in the cinema and laughed out loud. It pans to the desk and there's a safe underneath it. Yeah. And I it laughed out loud. It pans to the safe. But yeah, it'd be like, instead of that, it just went, your son is in that safe down there. Stay sitting where you are and he'll be fine. Mm. It'd, like, it'd be like that. This is, it's shit. I don't know why people like it so much. It's got a great cast as well. Why is it wasted on this shit? Netflix money, man. I know, but like... They film them real quickly. They get paid a good amount of money. They just turn up, do the thing for a couple of weeks and go home. You could hire so many un- unknown actors for the price you paid for these stars and you could just have it so a town is besieged by these monsters. People just lock themselves in their houses and then every so often one of the mad people who's lost his entire family starts knocking on the door screaming, like the wailing. 
Have it like that. Have it really tense. You don't know who's going to survive. Just All stay you know indoors, is make a little garden in there. Yeah. Like, you know, some UV lights and shit. Like, get some pigs indoors. All the people just like, oh, did you hear Bill's entire some... family's gone? Mm. It's like, oh, Bill's family's gone, have they? It's like, yeah. Yeah, but you're Bill. It's like, let me in. Let me in. I've got something to show you. All this, like, fucking, oh, I'm really pleasant. I'm really pleasant. I'm crazy now. I'm crazy. Look at the monster. It's, it's a, it is, it's a fucking Adam Sandler. I don't understand why everybody's going crazy about it. It's not, it's not. Have you done the bird box challenge yet while you're running? Yeah, or something? I, I, yeah. what I do is every night I do the bird box challenge and I lie down in bed and I close my eyes and then I sleep without looking. Oh, shit. I know, right? I'm really good at it. Yeah, that's it's, why you keep falling down the stairs. I, yeah, I don't... Uh, see, the problem is, I wouldn't be angry at this like this if it wasn't just like, it's done gangbusters. Like, the amount that's being shoved down our throats has made me more irritated than I think I need to be. I haven't watched it. I can't be asked. Yeah, I know. I looked at it and went, eh. <laughs> it's just it's, it's just bad. And I don't, I don't get why people love it so much. It's just shit horrid. Isn't it That's amazing it. that Holmes versus Watson didn't make it onto Netflix because it was they said it was too bad. <laughs> Bright's on there. Yeah. <laughs> like Netflix didn't want the film. Well, I am never going to watch Holmes and Watson. I was kind of curious, like because you know I've got my unlimited card now, so I was like, I was like, I could just go see it for fucking just for the hell of it, and I was like, I can't even do that. Yeah, I do. I know. Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! Yeah. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. But yeah, it's just bad. I don't I don't get why people like it so much. People are just fucking shit, aren't they? They're just bad at films. That's why Suicide Squad did so well. It won an Oscar. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Good, good on Suicide Squad. Release the Snyder Cut. Yeah. Fuck. That off. doesn't exist. Stupid twats. Jeez. Yep. That's the world we live in, Ant. We keep forgetting this, but that's the world we live in. There's fools out there, man. They don't know... They don't know what's good for them. Aquaman is the highest grossing um, DC film now. Yeah, we're going to talk about Aquaman. No, we're not. Right, I what am. am I going to review next? I don't know. Why are you going to review next? I don't know. I had all sorts of things, and I was like, well, there's a lot of things to review, but I've forgotten what they are. Um, do you know what I haven't... We didn't, we didn't review it last time, did I? Because we did the best of the year, didn't I? So I could talk about Bumblebee, couldn't I? Oh yeah, so I saw Bumblebee. I didn't really review it because I just sort of mentioned it's good. We we basically reviewed into the Spider Verse though last week, didn't we? So last time, mm. so we did Bum- Bumblebee. It's good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, yeah, it's like it's surprisingly like well, easily the best of the live action Transformers movies by by a country mile. Um, I've heard some people going, "No, oh, I think I prefer the first one." Friends, and you watch that film again; it's dog shite. It is practically unwatchable. Um, I'd tell you, like, the moment I was sold on this new Transform, this Bumblebee film, right, was in the first scene. Um, you just get an action sequence on Cybertron, and I'm there going, that's Optimus Prime, that's Wheeljack, that's Bumblebee, that's Ironhide, that's First Aid. Fucking acid storms in the background. Friggin' Shockwave and Soundwave and Ravage. And I'm like, I know who all these Transformers are. And there's one that I think possibly during the development was meant to be Starscream, but it turns out it's actually Blitzwing because he's got Starscream's colours. It's a bit weird. Um, but you just look at that first opening sequence. You're like, this This is what we wanted. The camera moves smoothly. The robots have defined shapes and colours so that you can tell what they are and who they are. Yeah. They interact with each other and stuff, and when they punch and blow things up, you get nice... 
you get like stuff blowing up, but the camera goes back and you get to see the explosion and see what damage it's caused and what that means for where the characters are in relation to that object that's blown up or something. And, you know, there's clear plotting, like Optimus Prime's like, Bumblebee, you've got to get to the escape pods. We're going to be scattering Transformers out to a new place. It's this planet. It's miles away. It's going to be safe, mate. All right? And he sends him off and Optimus Prime stays behind for a bit because he's got to fight the good fight. But it's this whole opening sequence. It's just like, this is what I wanted from Transformers. I wanted clear visuals and Transformers that look like Transformers and not just like if you were to get a like a puppet and just cover bits of broken metal over it and shake it. That's what the action sequences have been like and actually just every sequence with Transformers in it. Yeah, it's, in fun, to think that, it's fun to think the millions upon millions they put into advancing special effects and the best they could do is shaking a camera at some fucking fake metal. It's like, like when you see Wheeljack on screen, I'm like, holy shit, that's Wheeljack. Wheeljack, famously, everyone knows Wheeljack. He had those two light blue lights coming outside of his head. I don't know. Yeah. When he talks, they flash. He oh, was okay. one of the most famous Transformers. He had like a mouthpiece and he turned into a... You keep saying things about him as if I'm going to suddenly remember <sighs> What was the he car is? he turned into? It was a rally car. One of the ones that's really cool in the late 70s and early 80s. Anyway, um, when they did oh, Wheeljack... Like, um... like, it's got one with green and red patterns on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Lance Lancia. Something, something like that, yeah. But um, when they did Wheeljack in the Michael Bay films, he was some crazy mad genius scientist who had like hair and stuff. And oh, the one who weird. looked like Einstein? Yeah, that, that one. Was that was meant to be Wheeljack. Great. It was just awful but this one's good anyway the film plot wise um, Bumblebee's landed on Earth There's, he has a fight with Blitzwing and kills Blitzwing but in the process John Cena's army gets killed and they have a nice little bit where John Cena's being a bit of a buddy they're having a training exercise and he's taking, making fun of his buddy they're doing a paintball training exercise thing I've heard he's that- shooting at his buddy when his buddy's not got an eye mask on he could have been blinded like friggin' Duncan and PJ or whatever one it was <laughs> right I'm blind. I'm blind me. I'm blind me. But yeah, they, he yeah, dies. Okay. So John Cena wants revenge on Transformers. Oh, okay. And so the first Transformers he encounters after that are two Decepticons. And he's the only one who's like, he's getting orders from higher up and his, all his bosses to be like, you need to work with these two Decepticons to help hunt down this f- dangerous fugitive Bumblebee. Because that's what they told him Bumblebee is. And they turn is. around and they say, fuck off. And John Cena's the only one who's like, they're called Decepticons, mate. Like the fucking, it's in the name. Yeah, this is one of the things I don't understand is because I heard that I heard that that happened in the film. Yeah. I heard that they actually say they're called Decepticons. Maybe we should listen to Maybe the we good ignore guys. Them. Yeah. yeah. Just tell them to bugger off. And I think their their whole thing is that if you've seen the size of them and the weapons they've got, if we tell them to bugger off, they're just going to take it and they'll, they'll work with the Russians. That's the plot in. So it seems like begrudgingly. Oh, it's the 80s, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we have to work with them. Um but the whole thing with Bumblebee it's like Hayley Steinfeld, her father died years before, well, not too long before, like probably two years. Her okay. mother's moved on um, and she's basically been trying to fix this car that her, her and her dad were working on to try and repair. It was supposed to be her her 18th birthday car. So she's been working on it and she hasn't been able to get it fixed and all this sort of stuff. And she okay. wants a car for her birthday and her mum gives her a bicycle helmet um, with flowers all over it and stuff. Like she doesn't know who her daughter is at this point. She doesn't get her and all yeah. this and probably hasn't realised that she's growing up and all this. Um, and she finds a Volkswagen at a scrapyard that she goes and helps out. She collects up scrap and stuff and sells it to him and all this and tries to get parts for her car and things from this scrapyard. And she says, oh, if I can fix this car, can I have it? It's my 18th birthday. I need really need one. And he's like, yeah, sure, if you can fix it. And she does it. And oh. it turns out it's a robot. Turns out it's a man. Yeah. But- and so the film basically plays out like the Iron Giant. It's like, you know, government forces are after the robot. 
but because the Decepticons have told them to, you know, it's a it's potentially a dangerous weapon and all this sort of thing. Yeah, Bumblebee doesn't really know who he is because his memory's been messed up from the fight at the start. Also, his voice box he can't talk. Yeah, his voice box bl- Blitzwing just cuts it out. Um, but he's like a bit fucking, a bit yeah. fucking. But it's cruel. like there's just nice stuff where they're like she's working on the car while Bumblebee's sitting there watching the Breakfast Club and stuff. Okay. And she's like, you're doing all right, Bombin? like turns and puts his fist in the air <laughs> and all that. And then um, she's like, yeah, if you want to watch any more, just go for it. And she's like picking out and he puts in a cassette and it's like her doing diving with her dad. And it's the last time she saw her dad. And it gives this little sequence where she's like explaining the trouble she's had and all this sort of thing. Does it hint towards the dad going for a specific reason? Um, I think he died of a, just a died of a cancer or something like that. Like it was a like really quick illness or something. I think they said, I can't oh, remember. Right. So it's like something that just suddenly took him. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. But um, yeah, so there's a whole thing where you see she's di- she used to be a diver and she used to have some sort of goal. And then later on in the film... Did she use that to save the day? Sort of. There's uh, like... There's, she's been hanging out with this guy called Memo who comes around. He's got a weird name. I had to check the credits. His name's actually Memo in the film. I thought it was Emil or something. I was like, kept, when I kept, couldn't tell what it was. Yeah. I was watching it. Um, And there's a bit where they drive off and there's a bunch of the bully kids at the school who try to get her to jump off a cliff and do a dive because they're like, yeah, you're a diver, do a dive. She won't do it because it's like she reminds it minds of her dad and all this sort of stuff something they used to do together yeah and then in the film she has to dive off to save Bumblebee into a load of water and it's like she's overcome her fears and it's like there's a plot there's a thing there she's got a character arc and a progression kind of she has there's a lot more to it than that like oh, okay. you know there's a lot more of her taking control of her life and all this sort of stuff but it's like you think back to like the first Transformers film and Sam gets Bumblebee and it's just it's just the car Sam they brought Sam Wiki it's just the car they brought. And then their bonding is Bombi tries to get him laid. Yeah. And then their best bed- buddies now. I'm so lucky. And it's just... <sighs> and that was... There's no connection there for that. And this one spends the whole film, the whole second act is entirely like Bumby and the girl connecting. Being friends. Yeah. Being buddies and learning and growing while the Decepticons come after them. We're learning and growing and together. There's, there's only little action moments here and there. It's like basically it all builds up to a big finale sequence where you can actually see what's going on. Yeah. The two villain Decepticons are clearly colour-coded, so you know which one's which when they're fighting. Oh, each that's other. nice. You know, they're triple changers as well, so it means you get car sequences and jet and helicopters. Triple changers! Just good, done triple changers properly. Um, but yeah, um, some guy gets blown up, that's quite funny. When the Decepticons shoot the humans and kill them, they blow up in a big old like Men in Black-style slime ball. Just, <laughs> which is quite cool. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they, this just a fantastically well crafted, well written, brilliantly paced, genuinely touching, got actual heart to it. Film. The designs of the Transformers are infinitely better than they have been in previous ones. Um, I've heard there's a problematic romance. No, there's a there's a moment where she's like trying to fix. He's got something going on. She's trying to get the like R two D two. He's like, oh, there's something stuck in here. Yeah. And she's like, lie yeah. back. I'll reach inside you. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be, gentle. be gentle. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, um, that's uh. Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's not subtle. It's not subtle. But um, she reaches right in his hole and a big old projection right in there. Yeah, up to the wrist. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's just 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 a good film, man. Like you can yeah. see what's happening in it. The camera moves fluidly. That's the nice. edits make sense. The like, yeah. it's like you're going from frigging last night where it was cutting mid sentences like all over the place and to different aspect ratio cameras and unrelated shots like. Just yeah, all over the place. I'm, I'm not going to miss terrible. that shit. Yeah, but Bumblebee is like it's it's a film. Yeah, it's a really good film. Well, that does. It sounds like it's a good film. <laughs> I, I as much as I as much as I joke, 
Um, I didn't grow up with Transformers, so it wasn't quite the same as me, but Michael Bay has touched on the franchise that I was most attached to, and that is obviously Street Sharks. Um, well, <laughs> Ninja Turtles has been kind of ripped apart by it. Nah, those two Turtles films are fun. They're not his films. No, like... they're directed by other people. The first one's way too dark, and the second one... The second one's fun. The second one's fun, but it just... It, it's still... I watched it again a little while ago. It's like, it's fun. It's, it's all right. A... It's watchable. That's mm. that's kind of all you can expect from a film that has his hand. And that film, like, it has, like, the Turtles actually feel like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They don't look like them. They look like weird abominations, but they, they like... If you had your eyes shut and you were just listening to them, you'd be able to tell which turtle is which by how yeah. they're talking. Like they're I actually, agree with that. Yeah. they get the character kind of right. Yeah, it? and yeah. Stephen Mills in the second one, and it's always fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always fun with him to sneak up on Splinter, and yeah, you just got to scare him off, just jump at him. See, I hated that scene, That's but funny. other people that I've spoken to have enjoyed it. The the thing I just hate about that scene is that you've already been introduced to these super strong beings, and they say. Oh, look, there's a rat, and you see there's clearly a rat-human hybrid. You're not going to go like, I'll just go sneak up on him then. Yeah, so it's funny. But yeah. No, no, it's, Bumblebee, it's good. It's very Spielbergian. Is it? Yeah, very Robert Zemeckis is when still, Robert I, Zemeckis wasn't I was checking my watch to see what the date was, because I think I've still got a week or so to see it, so I'll probably mm. go see it at some yeah, point. Anyway, you review something, you flaccid turd. Sure, I didn't expect this to happen. Mm. Oh, no. Chauffeur, is it your third thing? It is my third thing. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what I've watched that I can review. Um, oh, you, could, you could review anything that he's done. Played. I, I recently rewatched Stay Tuned. Ooh, why? There's all sorts of new stuff you could be talking about and you're going for Stay Tuned. Okay. I'm trying to think of new stuff that I've watched. Um, uh, I rewatched Alien vs. Predator. That was... This is enough. No, you haven't been watching any new stuff. You sit there in your room with Netflix running continuously and you haven't managed to watch anything. I'm just quickly... You know, you can plan this all out in advance. I know what I'm doing, but... Well, look, I already reviewed um, Always Sunny in Philadelphia and that's season 13 is now on Netflix. I've already reviewed that. Um, Oh, actually, I do have a film that I can review. Or a game. Ah, I do... I'll do a movie. Jesus Christ, fucking hell. I'll do a movie. Um, Okay, so I watched a film with Asa Butterfield and Sophie Turner. You know, those are the British British actors. Sophie Turner played Jean Grey in the X-Men movies. Asa Butterfield played Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're both in a film called Time Freak. All right. It's about a kid who's a super genius who invents a time machine. Because he gets dumped by his girlfriend. He wants to go back in time and perfect every moment of their relationship so they never break up. Freak. <laughs> it's called Time Freak, isn't it? Jesus. So, so the whole film, that's the premise. And like he basically relives moments in time so that he makes a better decision because the decision he made initially was based on his own personality and his reaction to the moment. Knowing what the moment and what the outcome would be, he decides to go back and relive all those moments. Um, it's as creepy as it sounds. Probably the only funny thing about the film is his best friend, who actually goes on a journey, whereas Asa Butterfield just continues to be a fucking creep and continues to edit every moment. Just go back and watch his past life just wanking from the closet. Yeah, Um, Yeah. his best friend is basically he is nowhere near as accomplished as Asa Butterfield because obviously he didn't create a time machine, and and like he's he just create a time machine. He did. He creates a time machine. Based on sound, he uses sound to travel, and he uses an app on his phone, 
that links to the time machine. It's not some futuristic message. thing where time machines exist. No, he creates. He just a time makes machine. a time machine. I did say at the beginning of this conversation, he makes a time machine. Do you know how much energy you'd need to create Power some a time sort of machine? To- yeah. Well, it uses sound. Oh, that's that's and totally an different. Do you know what sound you'd need? Use sound. <laughs> yeah. And an app. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, is the app on the Android store? I might I download it. I think it's on iPhones. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll download it. I'll go. Uh, yeah, uh, but anyway, so um, Ace of Butterfield's friend has basically been a fuck up. So every time they go back to different moments, the focus is always on Ace of Butterfield trying to perfect his relationship hmm. and his friend it's helping like him. The butterfly out. effect. It's kind of like the butterfly <laughs> effect, but if you could travel back and edit stuff in yeah. a positive way and you weren't going to kill yourself as a fetus. But somehow more creepy. Yeah, a lot more creepy. Um, somehow. So his friend doesn't focus on that shit. Instead, his friend just focuses on, on improving who he is as a person by the time he gets there. So like he's like trying to film videos for himself and shit like that. And he's like, they go back and there's a point where he's like, he's like, oh, what are you doing? And he goes, well, since you were doing your thing, I decided to go and do my thing. He goes, so what is your thing? He goes, well, I was playing this video game that I was really addicted to when I should have been studying. So I was just trying to, like, you know, itch, a, like, scratch an itch. And he's like, oh, but shouldn't you be studying right now? He goes, oh, is me going to remember the studying that I do right now? He goes, no, but if you're studying and the game isn't around or you get rid of the game, he's like, oh, I don't want to get rid of it, though. I just want to finish it. <laughs> and, like, it was he, the whole time he's doing this, he's got a cap on because he's scared he's losing his hair. So he's using, like, Rogaine. Mm. And then in the future, he, like, comes back and every time he comes back, he's checking his hairline and stuff. He's like, it doesn't work. But inadvertently, he's making these decisions that, like, sort of open him up to weird opportunities. So, like, where he's saying, like, I went to a party that night and I got drunk and I didn't study. And he's, like, trying to basically avoid going to that party. But they always end the moment as soon as Asa Butterfield's done his stuff. Yeah. So he's not always accomplishing the shit he wants. But he ends up accidentally starting a relationship with someone and, like, basically just putting himself in the right place at the right time. And they, you know, they just change everything. And then Ace of Butterfield comes back to a future where he didn't need to create the time machine because the whole catalyst is his breakup. So once they've completed their mission, they've actually corrected it so that he doesn't break up with Sophie Turner. He then doesn't create the time machine so the time machine doesn't exist anymore. And that kind of, that's where you get to at the midpoint of the film, or at least like... Well, that would create a time paradox and you've got just revert back to... Like two thirds of the way yeah. in, you get to that point. And so he starts talking to her and then she says something about how they've never had an argument. And that moment he sort of goes like, oh. And then he starts drawing up the plans again and starts designing it again and creates another time machine. And he starts basically then, instead of it just being a case of he goes back in time and he does stuff to try and save his relationship in the future because he knows what the outcome would be. Instead, he goes back to stop them ever having an argument. And then it brings in... An interesting idea that's never really looked at in the film, but he's addicted to travelling back in time at that point. So he he says that there's one one time he forgets to make the bed for like an hour and he, she's not going to be back for half an hour. But instead of him going and making the bed with that half an hour he's got, he goes back in time so he makes the bed the hour before and then he has an hour and a half with nothing to do. Like it's a weird thing where his mind immediately, every problem is linked to use the time machine. Which could have kind of been interesting. But instead, they both go... Well, everyone goes back in time, because apparently it's quite easy to use. Everyone goes back in time to the day he was hit by a car when he came up with the idea for the time machine, very much back to the future, I know. And they end up agreeing to stay together, despite the fact she finds out he's had a time machine and he's edited the entirety of their relationship. So, I guess this is an incel movie? (laughs) Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of recommend people see it just because that side character, he has about 20 minutes of solid material. Like, his job is shit, 
and he every time they come back he's just completely annoyed with the the way his life is like he was like oh so I still work at Sofa King cool so I finished college but I still work in a shithole and his manager's like behind him he's like we've spoken about this I need you to come over it and they stand and he's like time travel <laughs> like that in the back that's like the, that's like the funniest aspect of it is this guy's reaction and like it is his attempts to do stuff like there's there's a part where he's like because every time it cuts in it's that same character from the point they travelled back so obviously it's like you snap into the body of the person that's meant to be there yeah so there's a scene in which he's helping this woman like move and he's like really sweating he's like he's like well other me did all the work so this is alright but it uh, looks like we're done in here and she's like yeah we are done in here and it's like yeah um yeah, and it's like kind of a woman that's always in the background, so it's almost like a tertiary character, the whole thing. Yeah. It turns out that she's actually like very much foreground for his life and he and she's like she's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go have a bath, you wanna join me? And he's like he's like I need a ring or anything. Alright, cool. Like that. It's like it's an interesting <laughs> again, an interesting cult aspect to this film that just isn't explored because they're focused on this really creepy relationship. Gross. Yeah. This is like sick freaks. Like I said, it's not it's it's not so terrible that it's hard to watch because when they're when they're going through the like the moments because initially he always sort of goes through like a test run so like he'll go through the moment as it was at the time and then he says like this is the moment that I fucked up and I and there's like a thing where he shows her and her friends this terrible movie and instead of him going back and then just putting on a really shit movie that he knows is bad and he doesn't get so hurt about he keeps making them watch the movie. And the friend's reaction is, the first thing he says as soon as they go back, he's like, he's like, oh, we went back to before we watched the movie. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's great. I guess the next three and a half hours are going to be, going to be. And the guy's like, what? And he goes like, nothing, just confusing and upsetting. Let's watch this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. like, in my head, I was like, instantly, I was like, just pick a film you know is shit. And don't say it's your favorite film ever and have this heartfelt dialogue before. And then get angry afterwards because you're so upset by everyone's reaction. Because, and there's like a, a, he goes back and they watch the film and then everybody's laughing about it. And one of the characters says something that upsets him. And he's, and he's like, no, it's fine. I understand your opinion. It's just my favorite film. So I thought I'd share it with the people I care about. And the guy goes, oh, I can see that actually upset you. I'm, I'm really sorry. And he's like, I have to go back in time because that's too good a reaction to me being upset. It's like, how fucked up is that? But yeah. Apparently he's focused on one relationship. Yeah. Everyone else falls by the wayside. So even good relationships that he's formed with other people, no point in worrying about it. Let's get back in time. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fucking, it's a, it's a David Spade. <laughs> no, it's not. It's a Rob Schneider. It's a Rob Schneider. It's not quite an Adam Sandler. It's down there. It's in the dregs, but it's not an Adam Sandler. There's some redeeming qualities to it. Like I said, I don't think uh, the kid who plays his friend is the nerdy kid from um, Santa Clarita Diet. Oh god, you watched that? Yeah, I like that series. It's a good series. Yeah, it's not on anymore, is it? There's a third series coming. Oh wow! Yeah, we'll yeah. finish it. Um, but yeah, the kid—he's—he's he's actually really charming in that as well, and it's a similar sort of shtick. He's just like reacting to stuff as a normal person would. Yeah. So, so he like he does comment on shit that happens, like where everybody else is just like they just go and grab brooms when someone explodes or something like that happens. He's just like, so we're just gonna ignore the fact that people are exploding now. I'll add that to the list of stuff I'm now aware can happen in this world. Great. Fantastic. I'll go get the broom. Yeah. It's just acknowledgement of stuff that's happening in the scene. He's good at it because he's just a kid and he's a nerd little weirdo. So it works. It's quite funny. Anyway, and your review. 
The film sounds terrible. It's pretty bad. It's nowhere near as bad as Bird Box. Um, what am I going to review now? I don't know. Your next thing. Jesus. You guys keep springing things on me. Um, right. Let's talk. Well, should I review? Because I know what I'm going to do is the last review. But should I review uh, Tomb Raider, the movie that came out last year? Yeah. Or Resident Evil, the final chapter? Well, I was going to combine my last two films in one review. So no, you're only going to do same. one. You can't. You've got two films. You could have done that instead of like fucking whatever. I'm going to review Band Aquaman. <laughs> Snatch. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not combining. You don't combine reviews. You've seen Aquaman. No, I haven't. Yeah, you have. No, I haven't. I haven't seen Aquaman. I don't have the money for it. Oh, I'm poor. Oh yeah, I bought you a ticket for Aquaman, but you never went. No, you didn't. Yeah, but you have to go to Guildford. Yeah, I'm not going to go to Guildford. It's no, too no. expensive. Yeah. Can't go to Guildford. But Aquaman. Yeah. Anyway, am I reviewing Tomb Raider or Resident Evil Final Chapter? I reviewed Resident Evil Final Chapter and Tomb Raider before, but Resident Evil Final Chapter I reviewed a long time ago, so I would review that one if I were you. That's the funnier of the two, because Tomb Raider is at least a competently made movie. It's possible. Yeah, whereas Resident Evil is a confusing, angry mess. It's terrible. It's so bad. So Why did you watch it? Um, well, when Amy was around and, like, we neither of us had seen it, we'd watched all the other ones. <laughs> so I was like, why not? And I thought Afterlife was pretty bad. The last, was that the last I mean, one? Yeah. Yeah, that was the fifth one, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. Because um, the only the only Tomb Raider film, like, the first Tomb Raider film is, like, a schlocky nonsense. Mm-hmm. You can kind of watch it. It's got Michelle Rodriguez in it. That helps. You mean Resident Evil? Yeah, first Resident Evil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no one likes Resident Evil 2 which is just it Resident literally Evil has 2. cut scenes from the gameplay yeah. out in film like was, Tomb Raider does I was going to say Resident <laughs> Evil 2 the only reason that people like Resident Evil 2 is because it kind of does Resident Evil 3 it's like Resident Evil yeah it's yeah. like a mixture of 2 and 3 isn't it yeah. and the third one I the third one I kind of like because they basically just did the Hills of Eyes but with zombies like, the third one was the desert one yeah the weird desert one it's kind of weird it's not good page, yeah. it's not good in the slightest yeah Lyndon Ashby wasn't it yeah, yeah. Um, it's not good in the slightest, but it's like it's at least they went. Oh, this is interesting. Let's do something different. Um, and then after that, they just seemed to forget that was the thing. It was a desert wasteland. They just went back to regular zombie land. Yeah, they went um, to regular evil. Yeah, but um, this new one, like super apocalypse now. Miliovich is out on her own somewhere, and she hasn't got superpowers anymore. They got taken away at the end of the last one. Apparently, I forgot about that. Yeah, um, she gets stabbed in the neck with a syringe and it causes her to lose her powers. Yeah, fair enough. But she's still kicking all sorts of arse and yeah. stuff and seems to be able to jump all over the place just like she used to, so whatever. Um, but yeah, not many zombies in it. Zombies are kind of just a thing that happens every now and again. Like, they're not even... It's not one of these films where, like, the zombies are the threat. The threat is the crazy villains. And it's like, it just telegraphs every plot twist. It, like... It's edited horrifically. Like, I was going to say, the biggest problem dreadful. for me is that there's an action scene in which she's strung upside down. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> 70 cuts. There are 70 cuts Yeah. in that three-minute scene. It's not even three minutes. Is it not? Is it it's like about 30 seconds. seconds. Fuck me. Yeah. Um, um, and then also there's the scene on top of the truck. It's about oh, 50 or 60 cuts. She cuts his hand off instead yeah. of slicing his neck open. Yeah. Like... And they leave the people in the back of the truck for ages. <laughs> like she just escapes and like, yeah, fuck those people in the back of the truck. Um, the plot twist just nonsense, and they end. It, it's like it's got this ticking clock thing going on where it's all like, you've got three days before we're gonna. I, I thought the way they said it was that the last of civilization is gonna run out in three days, like they had a, some predictive algorithm that was gonna predict that the last human colonies were gonna die in three days or something. Mm. But 
then later on it's like, oh, we've got strike forces about to wipe out the last few colonies. And I, well, I'm pretty sure they never said that earlier on, but I could have missed it because this film. Mm. Um, so there's a ticking clock, three hours, whatever. She's got to unleash a cure for the thing. The last nine minutes of the countdown take about half an hour. Like, I mean, there's, there's, you can stretch a time limit out in a film a little bit. And, you know, you could cut between, maybe you have different characters doing different things at the same time. And that's how you can stretch out the time. But this focuses on her the whole time. There's like a bit where it's like, oh, you've only got four minutes left to unleash the virus. And they have like a 10 minute fight in a hallway. And it's like, it's just irritating. It's piss. And she unleashes the virus. And it's like, oh, it took, it's going to take weeks for it to get around the world and kill the last of the zombies and stuff. Mm. And it's like, really? And there's no dispersal method for it. You just drop it on the floor. I guess it's cyclical, it rhymes, like the first film, when they release a zombie virus by dropping it on the floor in a secure underground compound. Um, Ruby Rose is in it, and she gets minced. Yeah, Ruby Rose is in it for the whole of 15 minutes, for no reason. She's in it for longer than that, it's just that she doesn't do anything. I would say anything. Yeah, and it's it's like, how did you know I was the one who betrayed you? Because you're a lad. There's a bit where you see a boardroom meeting from before the zombie apocalypse where they're planning it, and there's a character at the end of the table you can't really see. And she says something... And it's like, oh, that's Miliovich. Mm. I can hear her voice. It's Miliovich. Yeah. And then at the end, it's like, oh, that's Miliovich. Because the girl that she was cloned from, Alice, the girl, the little girl, Alicia, is all an adult now. Or at least her, she apparently had progeria or some bollocks. I don't fucking know. Because um, progeria makes you turn into a full adult person. It doesn't make you look like a child who looks old. It just turns you into an adult person, um, apparently. Yeah. Um, Wesker's hilarious in it, I think. Uh, he just... He just says gruff things a lot and then dies. <laughs> After all those films of making him be the most badass, impossible to kill person, and he, just dies. And he gets trapped under a wall and blows up. Yeah, <laughs> just uh... and it's like, ah, oh, here's our main villain. He's not really the main villain though. He's a clone. Here's the real one, who's even more evil. He's evil times ten. Just it's good to see Ali Lata was back in it. You know, yeah, she was back in yeah, it for a few minutes for some reason. Um. But it's just it's just endless nonsense. It just I would see it can't go four seconds without something exploding and things being attacked. And there's a random ninja guy she fights in yeah. one bit, and he gets dragged behind a zombie truck. Yeah. Um, like the bad guy goes, ah, oh, he, the bad guy brings all the zombies to the compound to the yard. No, and, damn right, they're and he's there in the compound. And then like an, three hours later, he's still bringing them through the compound. Yeah. Isn't it? Just I don't know what time was in this film. This bizarre. I went to see this in the cinema. Why? Uh, well, it was... You remember when I left um, Hydroelectric? Yeah, probably. The engineering job. I don't know. No one cares what jobs you have. When, I left, the, when I left my engineering job, I... Um, I One of your long string of Chandler Bing jobs. Yeah. When I left my engineering job. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, when I left that job, my leaving drinks, they were like, well, we could all go to the pub. And I was like, why don't we all go see a real shit film? Yeah. And they were like, well, what's on? And I went... Resident Evil, the final chapter. Uh, and so basically, my pitch was that we go see the film, we take in some whiskey, we buy some of those big ass cokes as you go in, drink a bunch of the whiskey, uh, drink a bunch of the cokes, and then pour the whiskey into the coke, just drink whiskey and coke. We went and we had about three or four pints before we went to go see the film. Mm. So we were already a bit toasty before we went in. And then we bought beers as we went into the cinema and the cokes and stuff because we forgot about the whiskey. And it was just a great time for everyone. And we got in there and there were about 30 people in there, all as confused and angry at every scene as we were. But every so often you hear someone chuckle because we were just making sarcastic, drunken remarks through the whole film. 
It was a bit like being a mystery science theater if there were just three drunk guys being quite funny. Yeah, you think that's what was happening? Everyone was really. Oh no, honestly, we 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 kept saying like it doesn't matter how loud we are because if someone comes and kicks us out, they'll see we're watching Resident Evil and they say that's punishment enough. It doesn't matter. Like it was just. There's a scene in which the priest guy who's collecting people, because there's apparently still quite a few living people in this world. Yeah. He's collecting people and then giving them a sermon in the underground of a bus that doesn't look big enough to have an underground. <laughs> it's it the like back full... section. The yeah, front no, section. But, no, but he goes upstairs to get to the top. No, just, you know, it wasn't mad. <laughs> and, then, and, then he's up top, and then he's up top and he's talking to someone and someone's like, someone's like you know what? We shouldn't be carrying this many. Is like you're right. We are carrying a few too many. This is going to delay the journey. And then stabs him. And I just went, "That's a terrible management style." Yeah. <laughs> and just all these people laughing. This shit film. We don't paint a fucking scene. It's ridiculous. No one watches it. It's got dragon things in it. It does have dragon things. And at the end, she maybe kills everyone. Yeah, no, she does. She she like the zombie vibe. Everyone's dead, and she's back to life. It only killed the zombie, the T virus in her. Let all the zombies die, but it's like it spreads around the world. This but little then there's tiny still that flying thing. Vile. There's still that flying thing. He'll die soon, sure. Oh god, it's so bad. <laughs> it's this is the problem with the, the with Resident Evil. I don't Evil. know how there was enough in that vial to spread around the world. Like the zombie virus thing, like if there's enough in that vial, that vial, like you know, you take it like, oh, it zombifies a few people and then they spread the virus. Yeah. That makes sense. But this cure thing is airborne and it's in a tiny little vial. You forget in the third one, the the virus for some reason destroyed water. Did it? Yeah, do you not remember? Oh, God. It dried the planet out. Did it? That's why there were so it many deserts. It rains a whole bunch in this film. That's why there were so many deserts. Yeah, there's not deserts in the fourth and no. fifth one. There's a boat in one of them. They get in a boat. Yeah. They get in a massive boat and go into the ocean. Yeah. Um, and then she picks up this umbrella boat and she picks up the radio and goes, like, if there's any survivors out there, come find us. Yeah. And then Umbrella's like, oh, there she is. She's using our radio. She's on the radio. Yeah. There she is. There's Milionovic. I mean, Alice. These films are beyond dumb. I know. But they're still better than Transformers. Yeah. This this one was No, it's it hard to... We were laughing a lot at it. It is very... It's so bad. It's awful. And they're rebooting Resident Evil now. I know they are. Well, do you remember that George... George Romero wrote a script for Resident Evil. Yeah, yeah. They was, Have you read was, it? Yeah, I think he was a producer on the first one, actually. Was he? Yeah. If you read executive the script, producer type the thing. script is not good. No, no. He didn't, George Romero doesn't write great scripts sometimes. No. Um, especially if it's something he's doing for work for someone else. He needs to do his own thing. Yeah. Especially script, at that age. The script was just bad. But no, they, they, let me make a Resident Evil film. Yeah, I'll do it. I would make it a full-on B-movie. I would freaking, just make a series. I'd shoot on VHS. Skip Resident Evil 1. <laughs> Because you don't need yeah. to do that. That's a haunted house movie, and we've got too many of those already. Go straight to Resident Evil Two, and have it be at the initial outbreak. And also have it no, so let's, that let's just do Resident Evil Zero. So oh, all Billy, on the train, Billy, bullet time, Billy. Yeah, all I on fucking the, love Resident Evil. All on the train. It'll be like we'd be like we'd, we'll just remake Train to the and then change the name of it at the last minute. <laughs> just zombies train's on like train. The first ten minutes of that game. Yeah, just yeah, train. train have you ever played Resident Evil Zero? Half the game's in the train. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. Who told you it that? It goes back and forth throughout the train, and then you end up in like the mansion again. No, the train is literally 15 minutes. It's more than that. No, it's not. It is. No, you collect the hunting rifle, you fight the scorpion, the train clash- crashes, and then you're in facility A. Whatever. It's I'm literally the like entire 10, thing 15 in, minutes. in the train. That's what I'm going to do. Who told you it was all on a train? I don't know. Who told you them lies? I don't know. It was the train. 
No, you don't only ever see the train. The whole train, the whole game is in the You're train. You're in like though. a castle. It's not the it's not the normal castle either. It's not the Spencer Mansion. It's yeah. a different one. But I'm going to make it all in the train. All right. Yeah. There'll I'm be five zombies. You, I'm just telling you that that's not Resident Evil. That's Train of Busan. And they're already remark, remark, remarking that. They're already remaking that. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to shoot it all on VHS. Like, it's going to look shit. I'm going to have Tommy Wiseau in it. That's one of the things that annoyed me about that fucking that intro to uh, Justice League. Well, Tommy with Wiseau the, in with, No, with the fucking filming on it. Oh, the on mobile a, phone. You just yeah, vertical video. You didn't, take any, didn't take advantage of that medium at all. They didn't, like, have it so that... Because he, they should have had like permanent video corruption around Henry Cavill's lips. No, I would have had it so that like it. so there's like a dead body. Like it was kind of funny because there's like a dead body broken in half over there, and there's like a there's like a spear in someone over there, and Superman's just like, "Hey there, kids, how can I help?" And he's like, <laughs> "Just got blood on his shirt, just wiping it off." Like, "Hey kids, how can I help?" Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course, I can answer some questions because he seems so weird about answering questions beforehand. At least have it so that you're like, "Oh, I can see he just had a big battle." With a Remember bunch all of the times that Superman took time to talk to people in those films. <laughs> And not just stand there and let people idol worship him. But Resident Evil. Um, I like that Millie Ovich doesn't look like she's made of twigs anymore. Yeah. Yeah, she's got some muscle on her now. She's like looks a bit more healthy. Yeah. Um, it'd be good if Paul Dove Sanderson didn't cast her in every single film. He's He doesn't need to cast her in every single film he makes. I think the only reason I have respect she's for this... Monster Hunter. I think the only reason I have respect for this movie in any way, shape or form is the fact that one of the stunt women, uh, the camera crew that, f- that um, shot it, there's a scene where she's on a bike... Yeah, and she has to basically she it's like threading a needle. Yeah, there's a very specific stunt that she does. Mm. Um, one of the camera women, and was hit by one of the. She was basically she was storming down there on the bike, and the camera rig didn't rise up quick enough. Yeah, so she collided with it. She's lost an arm, and she had her face degloved and everything else like that. Sexy, utterly fucking. Yeah, yeah. She was one of the ones who was on Guardians of the Galaxy and stuff. She did like. Yeah. Yeah. Like she James Gunn was talking about, I remember ages ago. Yeah, yeah. it's just stuff in Nebula now. Yeah. Um, but all in all, she is that woman. Like, if anything, she did that for Resident Evil. Yeah, final like chapter. there is people almost lost their life for this. I mean, you forget about the fact that Hangover Two had someone die. Yeah, you know, like people die making these movies, and then you know, I know it's a fucking joke, but Jesus, <laughs> it's fucking not worth it. Don't risk your life. Yeah, he's doing a good film. Yeah. Make sure you're working with Spielberg, not Paul W. Anderson. Yeah, just like play Nick Nolte's liver or something. That's how you want to risk your life. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Resident Evil Final Chapter is terrible. That's two it's, years it's old, that real film. Bad, yeah, who real cares? Bad. Is it two years older than that? Is it? I don't know. 2015? Possibly. I don't, who cares? I think it's 2015. I don't know. Shit. It's a pile. It's a, what a load of shit. Is it 2015 or 2016? I think it's 2016. Yeah. Pretty sure it's 2016. Be right about right yeah. time wise. Um, yeah, it's real bad, man. Yeah. Don't watch bad films. Can't help it. Yeah, you can. I watched Titan AE again that week. Did you? Yeah. How is Titan AE? Does it hold up? No. No. It's quite clearly missing a lot of scenes. Yeah. yeah. Matt Damon's still in it. Matt Damon. Yeah, he just says Matt Damon all the time. Matt it's weird. Damon. Anyway, you review your last thing. You. Uh, okay. So I'm going to review something very close to my heart. Mm-hmm. Very close to my heart, Ant. What do you think yeah. it is? It's Aquaman. It's Aquaman, Ant. Aquaman, yeah. a film about Fishman. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Aquaman, for those who don't oh. know, is a DC Comics character who who famously fought with the Justice League. He helps them out, doesn't he? What are Aquaman's powers, Ant? Do you know Aquaman's powers? He's pretty strong. Yeah. Why is he fish. strong? Why is he strong? Should we do this? We'll talk about it properly. Got special powers. No, do you know why he's strong? Because he grew up on the ocean floor and the depths have made him stronger than a normal human. But he's not human. 
He's half know, human. No, than humans. He's half human. He is. Uh, do you know that he can he can swim underwater without breathing? Yeah, well done. Jason Momoa can do that in real life. And what else can he do, Ant? Um, he can he can eat flowers. Yeah, he does that. Yeah, what yeah. else can he do? Talk to animal. Talk to fish. Talk to fish. Talk yeah. to fish. He doesn't really talk to he fish. He asks them and they they help him out. Yeah, because they're his friends. He doesn't talk to fish. He sends out a wave and then they respond to it. Yeah. So uh, this is a bad film, man. Well, you're wrong because it's made a billion dollars at the box. I know it's made a billion dollars at the box. So yeah. Suicide Squad, and people enjoy it's it. A bad movie, mm. and it is a bad movie. Yeah, it's an objectively bad movie, though. And I'm saying this. I'm saying this. All right, as... Mauler, with you. Oh, if it's objectively bad, you can't like this film. Here's my seven-hour fucking YouTube video about that. why you cannot hey, like. Hey, here's my introduction for three hours for why hey. you cannot like the Force Awakens. Even when I say a film is terrible. I give it some credit, as seen in my last two reviews. I was positive about aspects of the film. I don't completely naysay a film. The problem with Aquaman is that I I was kind of looking forward to this because it looked like it was going to be fun and it looked like it was going to be a bit silly and then it's just so bland. I don't. I, 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 I can't get behind it. That's the problem. It's just so bland. So nothing. It's like the equivalent of gruel. It's not, you know, there's substance just, there. Just paid off Marvel. <laughs> I'm a shill. Shill, yeah. So let's go over the story. So um, Aquaman, it follows his 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 um, origin. So we do get the origin in there. So essentially, um, Mira, no, not Mira, the Queen of Atlantis, she runs away, falls in love with Django Fett. They have a baby. It's Aquaman. Fair enough. Then she is taken away by other Atlanteans because she went to the surface and bred with a human. And so she's cast off to go and be executed because they don't want her fucking guys. And he's left to raise Aquaman on his own. And That's okay. Then his brother, Aquaman's brother, his half-brother. Ocean Master. Ocean Master. It's a good name. He's decided that he is going to he's going to attack the surface world. Emu. All the characters have weird names. The real names are Orm. like Orm and Gorm and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, Orm, Mira. Because um, Aquaman's proper name is something funny as well. Orin Rad. Yeah, that's Silver Surfer, but yeah. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> basically, uh, basically, yeah. He he's he is a man of two worlds, and he. Um, his half-brother has decided that he wants to attack the surface world because he believes they're polluting the sea, which they are, but... And he thinks that eventually they will discover them and they will attack or they will decide that the sea is theirs as well and try and take it. Um, to help him unite all these other nations, yeah. these underwater nations, which we're going to get to in a little bit, he is going to hire Black Manta, or Black Manta before he becomes Black Manta, who is a a murderous pirate... They hire him to steal a sub and then attack a council meeting between Dolph Ludren and Orm or Ocean Master, who are discussing the coalition of underwater underwater nations, basically. Um, and yeah, so Orm kills the submarine and says, Look, Dolph Ludren, if you give me your people, if you help me out, then we can we can defeat them, we can stop this happening because they're already mounting an attack. And that's where that's basically the plot of the film is it's their action against the surface world to try and 
you know, um, firstly, firstly, it's, it's the actions of the surface world that Orm set up to try and convince all the other underworld nations to attack the surface world because he believes eventually they'll rise up and attack them. Um, and then he causes a massive tsunami that probably kills thousands upon millions of people. That's okay, it's fun. He does that, and then he goes, now I need everyone else on my side, despite the fact I have the power to do this. Yeah. <coughs> You're thinking too much about your movie about a man that talks to fish. There's a there's another scene in which that same tsunami, um, his dad is in a car that's hit by several logs and submerged underwater for a, quite some time. Um and uh, does it die? It's fine. It's fine. Just yeah. The mirror pulls the water out of his lungs, and then he just goes. Ah! And I was like, "That's not how lungs work." <laughs> yeah, it would be if you pull the water out, you'd be able to you'd be able to breathe instantly. If you but he doesn't. Water. He's he's uncon. Like he's he is just asphyxiated. That's he's okay. not breathing. Someone needs to compress his chest and push. Must pull the water out for his lungs. It would have the air would have rushed back in. No, because the vacuum she, would have been she does the magic stuff. Yeah. So there's it now work an absence normally. where doesn't work, doesn't the water's work not filling the gap, so, so the air would just pull but back he in. Didn't, he didn't, you got to compress it. you got, you got to start that didn't shit Didn't need to, because you would have had a vacuum in the lungs when you pulled the water out. The vacuum she would have caused the she air doesn't to be like in. Going, she doesn't go, ah. She does yeah. it slowly. Yes. Yeah, okay. So it doesn't work. Magic. It would work. Magic. Scientifically accurate. It's magic. It's scientifically accurate if someone was a water mage. Yeah. 100% scientifically accurate, just like a human centipede. So. <laughs> um, the bad is that this is just, you know, every every moment of it, there's lots of needless CGI and there's lots of scenes that, like I said, the tsunami, um, you know, there's no impact to it audibly. It's just a visual thing. They don't really think about sound in a lot of the scenes. So when this big tsunami's coming, you just hear this very faint rumble, even though it's literally like an earth-shattering event. You hear this... In the background, a little bit, and that's it. And it's just, it's things like that that take you, that just make it feel so bland, like it has no impact. There's fights, the fights underwater, they keep for some reason flinging each other around in the air and then going to find the smallest platform they can to fight on a platform and then just going back to flying about in the air again. Like, there's no consistency to any of it. Um, the end fight in particular, it goes from underwater, it's like a big Lord of the Rings style battle, but it's all bubbles underwater. Bubbles happen underwater. I know, but it's just impossible to make anything out. It just makes everything really hard to hard to see. And like, there's this massive thing going around, just like killing everything. And people are still like, send all of the sharks, send all of the sharks, get them in there. Um, one of the seven nations he plans to unite are literal zombie piranha monsters. Nice. That's the like, people from the Mariana Trench, man. Yeah. Yeah. And they're really interesting, but how was he going to talk to them? Because they attack anything that goes anywhere near them. Just to guide them in the right direction. Just because, hey guys, hey, oh shit, they bet me. All right, they're not accepting me as their new leader. Thinking too much about it. But that's like, one of the nicest shots comes from one of the stupidest moments. There's a big old drumming octopus in the film. Yeah, but that's Timo's stupid in as it. well. Timo is in it, drumming. Oh, so Timo is a specific octopus yeah, from the comics. Yeah, he was actually in the 1960s animated series. Okay. Yeah. So what does Cause, what is different from Timo and any other octopus? Well, Timo plays drums. No, but I mean, like, Timo yeah. is an octopus. Yeah. Different from any other octopus. No, he's an octopus, but he's one of Aquaman's friends. But no other octopus or animal acts the same way. He plays drums. Yeah, because he knows how to play drums. But what I'm saying, Anne, yeah. and what I'm very specifically saying to you right now, is that 
Octopuses can play drums in this universe. No, this octopus can. So this is the only one. Yeah. So is he a super octopus? He's pretty smart. He's a cool dude. He's of average intelligence. He's one of Aquaman's best friends. But and he, then he plays drums. He just plays drums. Yeah. He's a super in, in Aquaman's band of average intelligence who just happens to play drums. He's not average. He's pretty smart. He's a sentient octopus. He's pretty well. Octopuses are sentient. Yeah. He's a pretty smart octopus and but, he plays uh, drums. But. And, and James Wan was like, I'm going to put that in the film. Yeah, that's cool. That's fine. Fuck it. But, like, have other octopuses anywhere in the movie? Or have them do Why would you get other octopuses when you've got one who can play drums? But what I'm saying is that if you've set that standard, then have other octopuses doing shit. Mm. Have them use, like, have them welding a fucking bridge. No, There's no. a bridge in this, by the way, for no reason. There's no bridge in the comics. I know that much. There is. They have a um, freaking dimensional bridge thing, wherever it was in the thing. Yeah, in four. Yeah, Ragnarok. The film thing. this is based on. Yeah. <laughs> the to do. It's just it's. This is the problem. Is that it, it's all CGI. It is just mostly CGI, and all the CGI is is it doesn't have the right audio cues. There's bits where it's like, oh, this is happening, that's happening. Oh, look, ring of fire, ring of this, ring of that. It just like the whole thing just feels like. And every time Aquaman's not like, I have to go do this. He's just like, well, if that's the direction it says to go in, I guess. Mira, should we go that way? And she's like, yes, let's go that way. Let's do this thing. Like, for some reason, Ocean... Uh, for some reason, when they first fight, him versus Black Manta, as Black Manta is like, it's, it's just diving suit and stuff, he kicks Black Manta and he literally flies across a room and weighs nothing to him. Then when they fight later, because he's wearing Atlantean armour, he somehow weighs 20 times as much and can just beat, beat up uh, beat up old um, Arthur Curry. And also, no one can say Arthur in this film. They're all like, Arthur, Arthur, Arthur. It's like, it's Arthur. Just it's say Arthur. the fuck. Arthur. You can't say Arthur. 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 They can't say it. It's just Arthur. Yeah, I know. They say Arthur. They say Arthur. They can't. No, they don't. They say it in a million different ways, but they never once say it They've right. They've got accents. Why you got a problem with their accents? There was a scene, me and Tara were watching it, and she hated every second of it. She found it boring and just crap. She's more into... She likes Wes Anderson films and, and interesting little bits of cinema like that. She watched The Lobster and hated The Lobster as well, which upset me, but that's besides the point. Um, but in this... We, we she always, just doesn't like crustaceans. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> um, in this, there's a scene where Ocean Master's putting on his mask, you know, the squidly... Yeah, 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 he's got his little frills and stuff. <laughs> and he went, she goes, oh, that's cool, because put, he puts the mask on it and wraps around. And they turn around and she went, oh, no, I take it back. <laughs> Because it's all just—it's a CGI mask. Yeah, everything's CGI. Well, well, you wouldn't cover Patrick Wilson's face in real life. <laughs> just give him—he looks like Bible Man. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> Aquaman—he goes in. I don't think you realise how silly Aquaman is. He's so stupid. Aquaman's a silly superhero. I know. I really wanted to harpoon someone for some reason. That's Never more happened. Namor style. I know, but they don't have Namor. They've got Aquaman. Yeah, they won't have Namor in the Marvel Universe either, because yeah. um, Universal won't write No, it's all gone back, hasn't it? No, Universal still yeah, won't write Namor. Fantastic yeah. Four and stuff. No, Fantastic Four was Fox. Oh, yeah, sorry. Universal have Hulk and um, Namor, but they're not allowed to use Hulk. Marvel can't make their own Hulk film no, all without the tying with Universal, yeah. and Universal don't want to play Bourne share profits and stuff. Mm. Um, and the same thing would happen with Namor, so... Oh, that's upsetting. So uh, no name more. But yeah, so um, he goes in 
He goes into Gale's phone. Machine, isn't he? After they get X-Men and Fantastic yeah, Four back, all it's left is, we got Namor now, and everyone's just going to be like crickets. <laughs> Who's the sexiest man we can get in a bikini? <laughs> Zac Efron. Yeah, get a Zac Efron yeah, to be Namor. Yeah, he'd be pretty good as Namor. Slip back his hair. Yeah. yeah. Just get Tom Hiddleston again. Oh, <laughs> no, get Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Yeah, get like a rough and ready Namor. <laughs> like, oh, love. Look <laughs> at my dick bikini. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's a scene Bronson in that. moustache or something. <laughs> yeah. Especially with Bronson. Have that, have that slicked up. Yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a scene in Aquaman where he goes and, and Julie Andrews voices a giant monster. Good on her. And he goes and he grabs a trident. And that's like there's this big whirlpool that happens. And he comes back out the waterfall. And he's wearing the gold and green armour. Nice. It's just like, where did it come from? He never, did he, in Justice League, did he have the green no, armour from... No. I can't remember at the end if he had the armour. He has, like, no, he has like three armour sets in this and none of them are the same. Yeah, because there was that, because remember they showed that first, like, oh, here's what Aquaman looks yeah, like. Yeah, he's got the crustacean armour. Green and stuff. gold armour, but it was like, yeah. it was all dark and moody and miserable yeah. looking. In this, no, it's, it's no, full it's on 60s Good. animals, uh, like animated, animated series. And, uh, and it's just the fact that, like, Tarot went, did he get changed in the waterfall? Where was that? It, it's scales, it's they slide like, on. Yeah, it, it's not, it's gloves and boots and stuff. Yeah. So it's the whole thing. Yeah, but it's like it's an armour that um, builds around him. It's like... Yeah. <laughs> he basically, as soon as he touches the triton, you get really yeah. shit armour. It's like, you know when Thor gets his hammer and the yeah. the pieces attached to his arm? Yeah. That's how Aquaman's suit works. It was, it was a fact. I just, the first thing I said was, isn't gold like a really weak metal? It's not actually gold. It's like butter. It's not actually you gold. You can bend it with your teeth. It just looks like gold. It's orange. <laughs> it's not as gold in this. And CGI. It's all CGI. Like it's like it's like Green Lantern. It is just like Green Lantern. They didn't learn you their lesson. Possibly make a real costume. <laughs> you can, yeah, you wouldn't possibly. put a costume over you Jason Momoa's body. Costume, no. No. Yeah. You're like Jason Momoa. Now you have to do this in your pants. <laughs> there's a scene. There's a scene where um, just put your leg up on that rock and thrust into it, please. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's. James Wan's got his own special collection of footage at home. Someone was talking about this the other day, but there's a scene where they have like this cylinder that's going to lead them to the trident. And the cylinder's underwater. And they get to the desert and they put in a machine and she's like, oh, it needs water to activate. And uh, and she goes and she takes a little bit of sweat off his forehead and puts on the thing and then it starts up. Mm. And I was thinking... But wouldn't it be the machine that needs water? Because that's been what's that's what's been in the desert this whole time, not the cylinder that was underwater. It would be the machine that. No, because it's a key. It needs to desert. activate by water, so it knows an aqua person has activated it. That one of the undersea people have done it. So it's it's, it's only... like a key. The the water is the the key that unlocks it. So it's, so so anyone they're... could have just gone on water, but never mind that. <laughs> He does make the very pertinent point that he could just pee on it. And I was like, yeah, there you go. It probably, it's probably designed to have a pH balance of a certain amount. <laughs> he does just drink beer. This he smells so bad, you can thinking. smell him underwater as a plot point. Jason Momoa doesn't smell bad. So so there is, like, as much as I, as much as I disliked this film, there is some positives to it. Like, they, James Wan, you can, you can see some of his ideas in there, which is nice. Because he's a very... Like, when he does Fast and Furious, he's very good at, uh, at getting shots he did, in. He um, did... It's a horror director. You're thinking of uh, the other James... The other one. Not James. James one didn't do Fast and Furious. He did a Fast and Furious film. Did he? Yeah, like seven or eight. I can't remember. James one does the horror films, though. He's the one who yeah, did... Yeah, he's um, done horror films, but check his name. Conjuring. Where everyone just give out a second. He's just going to do a bit of research. I'm going to talk about things I liked in this film. 
So some of the shots are Conjuring two. Incredible. There's also a, there's another James. He's James one with brackets one. There's another James one that beat him to it. Oh really? But no, he because he did Saw and he did stuff. Fast and Furious and stuff. Probably Furious Seven. Yeah. Yeah, Furious yeah. Seven. I said Seven, all right. Yeah, that's the only one he did. Oh. Um. So yeah, there's some really he's nice. More known for Saw. There's some really nice shots in this. Doggy Heaven. He's clearly clearly a direct who who who. Oh shit! Yeah, Death Sentence. That was all right. Good film. That was Jason uh, James ba- uh, no uh, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon, yeah, yeah, Kevin Bacon, John Goodman. Yeah, yeah. Um, he's a really good director for shots. Some really nice shots in this. There's one that's in the trailer already with a flare going down into the deeps, <coughs> and you've got the denizens of the deep, and they're all just like going down and fucking attacking people. Denson Mack. Yeah, Denson uh, Mack. That's a really fucking nice shot. There's an underwater island covered in dinosaurs that's glossed over very quickly. That's this only... dinosaur island? Yeah, it's like an underwater. Yeah. They have to swim down and then they go up a little bit inside of a underwater hurricane. Yeah. And then it drifts them into... That the... island comes up to the surface eventually. But that's dinosaur island. That's where oh. the um, the losers came from. Not the losers as in, the, you know, they did the film, the losers. Because yeah. like, that's Vertigo Comics, isn't it, or something? It's yeah. not technically DC. The losers were like the World War Two team that all had superpowers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but it's also where the Justice League have their, their you know, DC New Frontier. It's where mm. the whole finale's built around. Ah. It's like, um, I think the island had like a sentient alien thing controlling the dinosaurs on it or something. Um, and it was going to put prehistoric creatures all over the world. Oh, cool. But Dinosaur Island's fucking great. <coughs> yeah, they go there for five yeah. minutes and that's There's it. a Dinosaur Island in Marvel comics as well. Yeah. And it's it's been alluded to between certain writers that they exist. They're both like the, a tether between the two Marvel and DC worlds. All right. The dimensions. But um, but yeah, mm. there's that there's that for like five minutes. And I, for a second, I remember Deep Rising, the end of mm. Deep Rising. That was kind of nice during this Aquaman movie. Um, there was a very 90s shot. So there was the, at the beginning. There's a scene where Aquaman's drinking in a bar with his dad, and like this big biker guys come over and they're like, "Hey there, we're bikers, and are you that Aqua guy?" And he's like, "Yeah." And it's like, "Can we take a picture?" And he pulls out this pink bedazzled phone. So it's clearly like you know, it's that horrible '90s joke of the big burly guy happens to be an effem- effeminate man. Let's take pictures of him. I just got a nice phone. And it, <laughs> and it starts with Jason Momoa looking really pissed off, and then it suddenly just cuts to Jason Momoa in real life being held up by these guys and being just a fucking drunk gypsy <laughs> dude, um, which is kind of fun. Um, there's a very well shot action scene in the beginning where it's just a camera that spins around. You know, like the scene in Power Rangers where he's in the car and the camera spins around. Yeah, yeah. It's a very similar to that, but it's in a house and. Um, oh, that was Nicole Kidman's. Nicole Kidman's kicking the shit out of some Atlantean soldiers. Yeah, and it's just it's shot well. Everything's clear. There's no cuts, no super fast cuts, and everything's kind of given a little bit of time to linger. Mm. So shots are four seconds instead of zero point four seconds, like in Resident Evil. Um, you want to get it down to at least two, to two frames max, yeah, to be honest, between cuts. And a lot of the characters of the deep, like the the different ocean people, are really interesting. It's just a shame that you've got people, more people, and then it goes, black people are fish people. By the way, that's what black people became. Yeah, yeah. Damon Husu becomes a black fish person. Oh, did you want Houndoos in it? In it for a second. Nice. He's also in Shazam. Oh, is he? Yeah, he plays the wizard. Oh. Yeah. All right. Yeah, weird, right? He's yeah, in everything. Yeah. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's in, like, so many comic book movies. He's also in Seventh Son, if you ever watched that terrible movie. No. Uh, so, uh... Wasn't he in Constantine? Yeah. Was he the guy he goes to... He's Papa Midnight. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Constantine. Yeah. He's in Never Back Down as it well. It was him. It wasn't friggin' someone else, was it? You think another black person? Yes. Yeah, you're a racist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> racist, yeah. No, no, it was Digimon. Digimon Hounsu. I always say, I say, I always say Digimon Hounsu. Digimon Hound. It just looks like Digimon Hound. Digimon. Digital And Houndy being so, a Pokemon. Yeah. It makes it funnier to me. <laughs> um, Digimon. Yeah, so despite the fact that it's a lot of CG and stuff like that, there are some nice shots like, as I said, the tsunami scene. It's not bad just because it's CG. No, no, it's not. It's just it, if you can't combine CG with acting and audio cues, then you get a bad movie. It's so bland. You haven't seen it. You don't... I don't think that you... I think your opinion of it is based on, or at least your expectation of it is based on what you've heard other people say. And as much as I like a lot of the people that are saying the things that you probably expect from the film, and almost every reviewer that I listen to has said, this is big, dumb fun, I disagree. It's just, it wasn't that fun for me. I think you're just miserable. It's overly long. It relies heavily on CGI to the point where it's a detriment. That's okay. The audio cues are missing all over the place. As I was saying, the, the scene in which that big tsunami is coming over is just fucking great. It looks incredible. It just doesn't sound of anything. There's no sound. There's no presence of this thing. And the way he reacts as well. He's still driving on. He's like, oh, right. That, that's from that's a big it's tsunami. tsunami. You know, it's just... It's stuff like that. And it's t- horribly scripted. It's horribly paced. The bad guy, Black Manta, he goes... Like, they go onto a boat, a submarine. They kill most Shit, of the people on board. biker boys. They kill most of the people on board the boat. And then his dad, because his dad's an arsehole, gets beaten up and then trapped under a torne- under a torpedo because he shoots at Aquaman. He's in Deep Rising. Who is? Do yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. He's got one of the minigun things. Yeah. yeah. Nice. He gets taken out pretty early on that. Stargate? No. Yeah, he plays one of the, one of the guards. Plays one of the guards, <laughs> one of the eagles. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, like, it's just, yeah, Black Manta, his dad, gives him a knife and he says, like, son, we're doing this. He's like, we just killed a bunch of people. And then when Aquaman doesn't save either of them, he's meant to be the bad guy in that situation. But in reality, he was shot with a grenade. These people just murdered a bunch of guys for no reason. And then and then Black Manta's like, you saved my dad. And he's like, why would I save you? You're a pair of murderers. Underwater pirate murderers. Black Manta's not going to be like, you know, that was mean. No, Black Manta, Black Manta should be like, well, I'm going to it's try. Not like it's Superman. He's not expecting Aquaman to be Superman. Superman would have saved him no matter what. He is. He's like. He's yeah. like save him. Yeah, save him. Aquaman wouldn't give like, a shit. Well, no, Aquaman. Like, you should know that about Aquaman. Aquaman later he's not on. Read the apparently, comics. apparently, that's kind of meant to be a lesson for him, and he's meant to be like, I'm meant to save everyone. I was like, yeah, no, he's not a hero. Don't save murderers. Superman These would save them. Murder Apart from when he chucked that crime lord through a freaking yeah. wall <laughs> after he murdered Jimmy Olsen. Do you think the Superman, when he just drops people off in prison, they actually get put in prison, or do you think they just walked out? Just walked out. Like, he's got no charges. He's not a cop. Charge him. There's a law. Hmm. Aquaman is. Book him. It's it's a pretty bad. You cop. I didn't like it. I know why people like it, and there are some elements that I enjoyed, but just overall, I was just disappointed. I really wish they'd done more, and I wish there was more there, and I wish it was more focused. Um, basically, I just, I think that. I think that there was no way for this to be a win for them. Not 100% for me anyway, because... so many you hate DC and No, I, I like Shield. DC Comics. In fact, one of my favourite comics brands are Vertigo, an offshoot of DC. DC brought Vertigo. Vertigo existed beforehand as a yeah, British comic yeah, book company. 
But like, <clears throat> look at look at Swamp Thing and Animal Man, two of my favourite characters in any superhero book. And and you know they can't even get like Superman right. They can't get Batman right. They can't get Wonder Woman right. Wonder Woman's right. Wonder Woman's good. It was okay. Wonder Woman's good. It was okay to bad. She hate women. No, I don't. And this is this is bad to okay. Wonder Woman's very good. No, no. What I'm saying is Wonder Woman's better than this. Mm. A lot better than this. But Wonder Woman better than Justice League. Justice League's a masterpiece. Wonder Woman was mostly okay, but there were some really bad bits in it, and it was a terrible script. And Aquaman is mostly a very good script. Pun. You're just really bad at analysing movies. I think. I've already yeah. told you the truth. That's a terrible script. You know that's a terrible script. It's not. It is. It's very good. Okay. Sorry. Do you want to go over the ending to Wonder Woman again for the 50th time on this podcast? Because well, you don't like that they have a big old fight in a war field. They don't have a big old fight in a war field. They're going to No Man's Land halfway through the film and it has no impact. She's just like, oh, get us another couple of inches. They're fucking stupid. What? They had the fight on the airfield where he was about to launch his yeah, doomsday on the weapon. Airfield where he's about to launch his doomsday device. Yeah. It's not the the villain, the biggest, most monstrous thing he was doing was creating a war in which people were already dying en masse. <laughs> Another weapon in the fucking sky doesn't matter. The problem they, is that the Because they're about to sign the peace treaty. Write. The problem is they can't write and they can't do anything. She saved World War One. <laughs> He was about to end World War. He was about to make World War One carry on forever. I've already, I've already repeatedly given a better ending to that film. I refuse to listen to more people defending it. I didn't like it. It's an opinion. Because you're bad at films. No, I'm better at films than these fucking people writing them. So yeah, yeah. Just tell you that to Oscar winner Patty Jenkins. She won an Oscar for Hurt Locker, and she didn't no, she write didn't. that script. She didn't do Hurt Locker. She did do Hurt. No, Locker. she didn't. She did Monster. Who did Hurt Locker? Hurt Locker's fucking what's her face? Kelly, the one used to be married to um, Kelly, James Cameron. Kelly. No, not Kelly. I can't remember her name. She did friggin' a um, bunch of other films. Oh as yeah, well. yeah, you're right. No, yeah, no. Patty Jenkins did do Monster, but she didn't write Wonder Woman. She directed a script that someone else wrote. And if DC wanted it to be what it wants to be, DC are the ones directing these fucking movies. You can mm. tell because they all look the fucking same. Like at least Wonder Woman had characters acting at characters. They had that nice physical effect of the woman with a mask. Like, that was kind of cool. In this, everything's CGI. Dr. Poison. Yes, it was Dr. Poison. Learn your DC character. You clearly don't care about the universe. I just don't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Aquaman. It's, I mean, it's not... It's like, very important that that woman has a jar of piss in Batman v Superman. Aquaman, Aquaman isn't a good film. It's mostly bad. I didn't enjoy it. It was very long. It was very boring. There are some nice ideas and some nice shots. I really wish they'd flesh them out. And I wish there was less of the, less of the sanctimonious shit. Like, I just, I know why we're in this age where villains can declare, why didn't you save me to a superhero? It's because Nazis are now the norm and people are arseholes to each other all the time. But people who are arseholes still, they still deserve to be saved. If you're a murderer, if you're on the internet telling women you're going to rape them, you still deserve to get saved because I'm an incel and I'm a stupid cunt and I like DC. Oh, fucking stupid uh, it's it's like I said it's not entirely terrible there's some okay bits and there's just it's mostly terrible so I give it I'm, you're going to give it 10 seconds of silence no, on this I'm, podcast the audio format thing I'm going to give it a Fran Drescher really? yeah who? Fran Drescher Chandler's ex, ex-girlfriend of friends oh. ah, like whatever the noise is yeah. she makes yeah she's mostly terrible but what? She turns up and makes some funny jokes she used sometimes. To lie in friends. 
She's a delight friend, yeah, but mm. you've seen uh, Beautician and the Beast. No. Starring Timothy Dalton. No, yeah, why would I <laughs> watch that? He plays a Russian dictator who falls in love with a hairdresser from Queens after she's mistakenly transported over to him. It's a realistic story. It's great. It's fantastic. It's a masterpiece. It's better than this. A hundred times. Better than Aquaman. A hundred times better than Aquaman. No, maybe they ought to get her in the DC You'll probably love it. Look, you'll probably love it and you'll say to me, you just don't know how to have fun. And I'll say to you... That's true. I'll say to you that films are meant to challenge us and they're meant to develop ideas in a clear way. All right, they're meant to develop. You need to get to the age where you stop caring about what's good or not, and you just start enjoying things. Just like yeah, but I do enjoy stupid shit all the fucking time. Uh, You should try watching Power Rangers. I watch Power Rangers with you every time I come in here, and you're watching Power Rangers. I say, "Oh, that's pretty cool." And like, like whenever we're watching Power Rangers, you were like, "Oh, this is a this is just a villain that you know he switches their genders, and one of them kind of likes it." And I was like, I was like. That's actually pretty that cool. That was Super Sentai. Yeah, but they're challenging... That was Kaito Sentai Looping Ranger yeah, versus Kaisatsu Sentai Pata Ranger. Get it and right. You... Whenever whenever you whenever you watch those things, I don't say to you, oh, you're being a bit negative about this. I say, like, this doesn't look great. I'm not ne- There's never been a bad episode of Power Rangers. <laughs> but, see, the problem is that I respect your opinion very much on those things because, you know, you watched loads of it and, and that's it. Yeah, someone has to. <laughs> they do. But when it comes to these, when it comes to these films, like I know when something's fun. I liked the Power Rangers movie. It's not like it, it's a, it's an okay movie. Like it's an okay to good movie. There is good stuff in there, and for the most part, it's okay. It sustains its momentum. There's pacing. There's ideas, and you know, there's clearly defined aspects and rules to the universe that exists in. I liked it. I thought it was fun. And then I go and see something like Aquaman. That's it's similar sort of movie, and it's just. Bland. Scared of water, though. It's just bland. Yeah, well, I am, but that's besides yeah, exactly. The point. This is yeah, the but thing. it's not like it's not like I'm sitting there going, "Oh God, no water." It's like I'm sitting there and I go, "Why am I so bored? Why is there no impact to anything?" Like, oh, you and your I can't, I can't keep going on about how bland and how boring it is at two hours and famous. And I can't keep defending my opinion. Why is it two and a half hours long? I don't know. It's fucking Aquaman. It's so stupid. It's been 90 minutes and done. I know. There should be one plot, and it should either be Black Manta or Ocean Master, but there's Black Manta I'm going to make a DC film, and my DC film is just going to be just some standard drama shit, but the only thing that comes from it is that Steel is part of the DC cinematic universe. Who would you... You can make a one one DC film. Who would you... What would you do? Well, DC film? Yeah. Probably Vigilante, but they wouldn't let me do Vigilante. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'd do Animal Man I'd just do Animal Man yeah no because you could hint like Manimal they, they want their yeah I'd do Manimal I've still got my Manimal script Manorak if Will Ferrell contacts me I want Matt Berry in the lead as Manimal and I want Richard Iodi as his as his man Butler Higgins <laughs> and I'm, I'll make it I'll do it and also I want Kirsten Wig as his love interest because she's pretty good mm. in everything I'll make I'll make my Manimal film one day. Yeah, go for it. You should do it. You should kickstart it or something. I don't want to kickstart. I'll just send it to Matt Berry and ask him what he wants to do, it. and I'll be like, Will Ferrell, look, I made you a good movie. It's a win. Do it. You could do it for under. I think you probably do it for under five million. There's no massive special effect shots. Well, it turns into an animal. He does, but the animal. The, so I don't know if you have you watched Manimal recently. No, strangely, that's <laughs> not something I've watched. I watch it every so often. <laughs> make Tara watch it sometimes. So Manimal, the the funny thing is, it's all stock footage. Yeah. So and whenever he's fighting a bad guy, it's always stock footage of an animal attacking some amorphous blob or something. It's never like the villain. So what I was thinking was that you would have fights in which you just chuck like a meat stuffed 
mannequin at a, at a puma. <laughs> and then the puma would just tear the shit out of it. But then also the romance scenes would be exactly the same. So when Kirsten Wig falls in love with him, there's just a puma on a bed and they throw a mannequin and he claws the shit out of it. And then it cuts to him and her smoking and her hair's a bit messed up. She's got some scratch marks like, I'm sorry, there's a bit of a animal in the bed. <laughs> that's that. It would just be like, it would be, it'd be like Garth Maggie's Dark Places, essentially. That's most of my script. I'm already hearing Mark Kermode telling me about how bad this film is. That's the worst thing he's ever seen. I watched, I watched Manimal this week. Yeah. Following on it's from... miserable. What was the... No, it wouldn't be. It'd be so much fun. It'd be just hate happiness. It. Oh, and did like, like Holmes versus Holmes and Watson. It'd be like stock footage of ants as well. Just going, oh. Falling right in line here. Just goes along. It'd be great. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, so Aquaman did not like it, really. Had some fun bits, but for the most part, it's real bland. Yeah, until about 40 minutes. I did. Sorry. It's bird box and that have been my pressure points. Haven't they? Your last review, Ant. Fuck's sake. Sorry, Jesus. bud. Right, well, I'm going to have to review Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Vets Season 3. How was it? Um, it's all right. Pretty good. Yeah? Is yeah. it a good ending? Well, it's like, the thing is, with Lemmy Snicket's a series of unfortunate events, um, like, there's not many episodes in this series, and the last episode is like a sort of afterthought type thing, because in the books it's like there's there's a last addendum book, and it's like a mini story, and that's how it ends, with this okay. little, it's like an epilogue. Yeah. Of the whole thing. Um, and another thing with this series is that, like, it wasn't quite as good as the second series, which was really freaking top-notch stuff. Because the second series is like a, a whole bunch of really memorable episodes, and there's a real progression of the characters as they start become, you know, having to do more morally dodgy things every now and again. We have to keep questioning their morals more and more, and it carries on in this series a bit. Yeah. Um, but this is like it's the end point of it, um, and you start they they sort of split the series up in good places though, because the whole last few books is more about like maybe there's more to the whole situation than even we know, and all this, and more to Count Olaf than we think, and all this, and. You know, maybe he's just seeking approval from someone else and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, the second series was just really solid set of episodes, and he had Sarah Rue in it, which is always good. He had friggin' Nathan Fillin and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's a good set of cast and everything. Um, and the first series kind of, like, it's really good, but a lot of it, you're constantly being reminded that you've seen a lot of it from the film. Yeah. That they did. Because the first three stories were stro- where the, what the film was made up of. Mm. So the second series was three of that. The, this new series, though... I'd probably say only one of them has like a setting that really works brilliantly well for me, which is the whole submarine episodes. There's like them in a submarine with this young girl who's a captain, and not she's the captain of the submarine because her captain went off somewhere and never came back. Mm. So she's been piloting herself along with Phil, who was in the lumberyard in series one. He got his lot. He had all sorts of accidents and stuff. Yeah, he got crushed. Really, yeah, he, had, he lost a leg, didn't yeah. he? Got his leg squished. Um, but apparently that wasn't what made him lose his leg. <laughs> something else made him lose his leg later apparently oh right um, but he's just really optimistic about everything poor bastard yeah um, so there's like that's the probably the best set of two episodes um, the first one's a slippery slope which is the one where um, Olaf's on the top of the mountain with the with um, Sonny and he's got a kidnapped and there's this yeah. whole thing where they say Sonny's not a child anymore she's not a baby anymore she's growing up and she's gonna take you know she Sonny insists on being stay behind so she can spy on him and all this sort of stuff, and Sonny's now played by like a toddler. It's just like between, but like between shots from the end of the second series to the start of the new series, she she's goes from being a little baby to a toddler, um, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, she's grown up now, um, and all this. 
Um, and it's also brought in the whole Quigley Quagmire, the other Quagmire cousin, because they've heard someone survived the fire and they assume it's one of their parents, but it's yeah. not. It's Quigley it's the third Quagmire child. Oh. That there's, but yeah, they weren't the ones twins, that they were triplets. In the second series. Yeah, because yeah. they weren't twins, they were triplets. Yeah. And that's in the second series, it keeps mentioning that there's, you know, there was three of them. Then they're, yeah. they're not, twi- they're twins now. They're not, they're triplets. But, um, yeah, and the last one is the whole hotel one, which is a really good set of episodes where there's all sorts of confusions about things not being what they seem. And like you're told there's these twins, one of them's good, one of them is bad, but mm. it actually turns out there's a third one. And that's the one they need to figure out. <laughs> um, so it's like, yeah, it's all set up. Like, you think that one of the characters, Kit Snicket, Lemony Snicket's sister, you think that she's maybe double-crossing them for a bit, but it turns out that she was making them figure it out themselves. She didn't want to give them the full answer, because okay. they love to learn. And one thing is, like, the last episode, just like I say, is because it's a short addendum, it kind of feels like it suffers a little bit, because it feels like everything resolves very quickly compared to the other episodes. Mm. Um, but it is, it's like a good, it's just a really good series. Um freaking still looks fantastic, because they're obviously, like, spending a silly amount of money making those, because... There's big sets. Every like every two episodes have completely different sets that you never revisit again. It's like that's a lot of budget for a series. Like there's a reason like shows tend to be set in the same locations. There's a reason why superhero shows they always have a layer and they always fight in the same couple of locations. Yeah. Um there's a reason why Flash and Arrow are constantly in the same warehouse. Star Labs. You know, you gotta keep you reusing sets, but they don't do any of that in this because it's they're trying to save the money. They reuse the burnt set for the burnt house. Because it's that's like a repeating pattern. Is that every house it burns seems to end up looking the same? Yeah, um, just a weird little parallel that happens in there. <laughs> but um, that's that's entirely on purpose though for the thing. But I like I like the series overall because it's just it's a show where it's fine for kids to watch, but it's darker than most stuff. So it's got a bit of murder and things going on. Everyone wants a bit of murder. Mm. Um, but it's about a bunch of kids who never stop being inquisitive, despite being really smart. They acknowledge they don't know it all, and they're constantly learning and figuring things out. Yeah. And it's per, you know put up against a bunch of villains who are purposely ignorant all the time, willfully ignorant, don't want to learn anything. Just you know, they push away the idea of reading and all this sort of stuff. Well, a lot of the um, a lot of the underlings have new ideas that would actually be viable options. Well, they all leave eventually and- when they get their ride when they start going. You know what? I had enough. Yeah, sod it. Oh eat, really? Yeah. So we see some of that in this. Yeah, they just they quit. Apart from the hook hand man, because he's actually a spy, and there's all sorts of stuff going on. With him. Um, but yeah, it's just it's the good series for kids to watch though, because it just tells them, you know, don't stop learning, like keep trying to educate yourself and make yourself better and smarter. Yeah, all the time, and just the brilliant way it's written, the wordplay and stuff that keeps cropping up again and again, like you know the waxes and wanes that keeps using those lines and stuff, and shiver me timbers becomes a key line over and over again. I think it's the last line you hear in the series as well because telling the story of mm. what happens to them later. You hear Shiver Me Timbers because apparently after the adventures the kids carried on having adventures like mm. after the book ends but we don't know about them because we only know about these like 14 stories that happened or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, that series has been great and it's over now and there's no more and you know, any normal TV show would have tried to invent a whole bunch of other ones but I don't think without the author's help, they could have done something that would work as well. Because he's got a very specific way of telling stories and humour and, you know, wordplay and things like that. It's like, it's very intrinsically, um, whatever his name is, I've forgotten his name. He's not Lemony Snicket, obviously Lemony Snicket's a character. But um, the writer, I can't remember his name, friggin' Dan something, Doug something, I don't know, whatever, fuck him. The guy who writes it, probably. No, Doug Bissett's a character in The Good Place. No. Yeah, no, sorry. But, um, yeah, like, if they'd 
done if this was a regular TV show on a network, they would have been like planning season four now. And there'd be all sorts of like you know new adventures and stuff to go. Yeah, on. it'd be the adult adventures of the Bode- Beauvalier. They're still children. They're still children. The yeah. adult adventures of the Beauvalier children. But, yeah, but they would have gone ah because the book at the end hints that they had more adventures. So now we yeah. do the adventures. They won't do that. Netflix is we done with it now. That'll be it because Netflix don't have the like they don't need to make another series. They they get more subscribers by putting more new stuff on. So it mm. benefits them to end the series at the right point and. Make something else. How many episodes are in the series? Uh, this series has only got seven. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. It's like, because each, each story split over two parts for the last one. Last part's got Peter McNichol in it. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice to see him there. Mm. Took me a while to recognise him. And um, there's two characters they introduce in this arc who are the real bad guys overall. Um, who'd never come to justice. They never face justice. They get away with everything. Mm. Um, it's like the woman with no beard but hair and the man with a beard but no hair. Is Richard um, E. Grant playing one of them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's yeah. cool. He's doing really it, good. I heard he was in it and I was like... Yeah, yeah. He's, he's just great because I, I was like, I recognise his voice. He doesn't look like him. He's wearing a prosthetic nose and oh, really? a skull cap and a massive beard so you, like, you can't tell it's Richard E. Grant. That's hilarious. But, um, I recently watched um, uh, The Secret... No, not The Secret of My Success. What's the one where he's getting ahead in advertising? Oh, yeah, yeah. He had to get ahead yeah, in advertising. Got, yeah, he's got the boil. Yeah, it's yeah. a great film, that. Really fucking good. Yeah. Really weird British film. Yeah, classic. I remember watching that years ago yeah. when it was out. I watched it, yeah, because I remember seeing it when I was a kid, but I didn't understand it, and then I saw it now. Yeah, that's an awesome film. It is really good. Good old Richard E. Grant. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd definitely say, you know, obviously you want to finish it. If you watch the other two series of Fortunate Events, then you probably should finish it. It's only seven episodes, won't take long. You know, it's on. Yeah, it's on Netflix. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. I... <clears throat> <clears throat> I, I think the next few weeks are going to be like very big Netflix time for me because we've got The Punisher next week oh yeah we've got Punisher next week we've also got the release of Glass next week um, that's not on Netflix it's cinema no it's going to be in cinemas but I'm going to go see it um, no, I wouldn't we've got Titans I've heard bad things about Glass but I'm still going to go see it um, hopefully they do something with Bruce Willis <laughs> probably won't James McAvoy I, I rewatched Split recently and James McAvoy is really good in that but it's just the the actual representation of I mental illness is really bad. It's still nowhere near as bad as 13 Reasons Why. Another Netflix season coming back this year with season three. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Stupid cunts. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's going to be an exciting time. Punisher, Titans, this. I've got other bits I need to watch as well. You don't have to watch 13 Reasons Why. You can just leave it. I'm not going to watch 13 Reasons Why. I'm going to watch Punisher, Titans, you and You're this. going to be reviewing it. Yeah, I probably will. Yeah. I'll probably get real angry about it again. Because you just stick it on, you'll watch it, because you just stare at whatever comes on. I'll get real angry at it again, and I'll get real pissed off. I'm hoping they're going to put Young Justice on Netflix, seeing as they got that thing with Titans. It would make sense. Yeah. You know, I imagine that's how they're distributing them outside the US. I reckon... Uh, I don't think season two of Young Justice was ever on Netflix, though. I'm pretty sure they only ever had season one. I thought it was on Amazon. How did season two of Young Justice end? I didn't watch it. I didn't watch any of Young Justice. Because I know it was on Netflix for a while and they cancelled and they moved it to Amazon. I can remember... I, young Justice, the first season is amazing. I can oh, remember when really Young Justice was on, I was really... Uh, I might have to look over the episodes and see if I've watched them all. When that was on, I just started reading um, Blue Beetle, the newer the newer yeah. series of Blue Beetle, and I just could not get into Young Justice. Oh, young Justice is great. I heard good things. I just... I, I, was, I was looking for that sort of TV programme. It's just... When I was reading that comic, so I got really into that and I was catching up with Invincible as well. Mm. And I was just looking for something maybe a bit more elevated. I ended up watching some of the better episodes of Justice League Unlimited um, instead of that 
because that's just that's one of the best DC series. Yeah, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, Batman the Animated Series, Brave and the Bold's apparently good. You've told me that a few times. Yeah, so it's I'm pretty, fucking hilarious. I'm going to try best version of Aquaman ever. <laughs> I watched. I watched all of um, that Spider Man. What was it? Spider Man Unlimited. Spider Man Ultimate, Ultimate Spider Man. Really Spider-Man. good. Yeah, yeah, I watched all of that. That's pretty good. Although Eddie Brock is, no one ever evolved to that character. And Tom just, Hardy did. No, he didn't. He's so bad in that film. That film's fantastic. That film is just not fun. It's great. See, a lot, lot of people of say that film's really fun, but I just... It's not fun. So you don't know how to have fun. No, I do. So it's, it's proof. Just, it's not a good film. You can't enjoy Venom. No. <laughs> the, the film that, like, thinks it's Spawn. And that's why it's hilarious. Todd, things- Todd McFarlane said his Spawn film's going to be humorless and dark. <laughs> and I'm like, have you ever read Spawn, Todd? <laughs> so I made the joke um, I made the joke to a friend recently I was like oh do you like have you seen Venom they were like no and I was like have you seen Shaun of the Dead he's like yeah and I was like well that's pretty much the same plot but done better because Shaun of the Dead is the same Shaun of the Dead is put into a place where there's this horrible thing happening and he can either evolve and adapt to it. What? There's a film where a character has to evolve to a thing that's happening. It's a horrific thing that no one can explain. No one can get. Yeah, I remember the bit where Sean got his like alien symbiote powers and stopped a rocket from going into space and all that. No, at the end you think there's a resolution. You think everything's cleared up and he goes to the shed and he's still there. In Venom, you think everything's sorted out, everything's sorted, everything's done, and then Eddie starts talking to Venom again. Yeah, it's good exactly for- the same ending. Yeah. Even as a scene in a shop several times that illustrates the difference between the character at those moments in the film. That's okay. <laughs> that's a good... That's how you... That's storytelling. <laughs> yeah, you just copy other It's films. more proof that, that Venom is really well told story. Because <laughs> Edgar Wright shot Yeah, what time. about when fucking Woody Harrelson turns up wearing a clown wig? <laughs> that was amazing! Yeah. That was my favourite part of the film. Yeah. Because I was like... I, when it, when I it hope happened, when he turns into Carnage, he's just got the wig. <laughs> still there the coppery yeah. pubes yeah. it was it was fucking unbelievable one of the things I didn't understand is they're like they're I like, think they knew what they were doing they knew they were making shit they so must they... have done um, it's where they're like follow us and he's like he's like he's like apologise to Eddie, me why are we here and he's like he's like shut up man we're going inside I was like do you do you have to talk out loud all the time because people are going to notice you're fucking nuts man. yeah <laughs> and he's just the prison guards are just like this is absolutely fine Okay, he just climbs into a fish tank and starts eating more. Stuff. That's one of the best parts of the film as well. The raw, the raw squid, like the raw squid thing's gross, but it's when he crawls in, yeah. and he sits into it, and it's you know like when you get in a bath, yeah. He does the same face like that. Oh, <laughs> that was alright. Um, Film's fucking hilarious. It wasn't. It's it was funny. just a bad film. No, we bite their head off. No, we don't bite their head off. That's inside me it's now. It's like, don't yeah. I think, bite that, I think clearly they wanted to do Lethal Protector and they, they couldn't get the rights to the Spider-Man. So they were just like, fuck it. We'll just make it Lethal Protector, but we'll just tater tots and chocolate. It's fucking funny. That in fight is atrocious, though. What, you couldn't tell what was going on when the two black symbiote <laughs> things were smashing into each other? And also, also the she-venom thing. Like, we're told constantly the symbiotes will just eat you alive. And then Jenny Slate gets one on her and dies. Well, Venom wasn't going to kill her. But like, what? What's so magic about her and Eddie that suddenly he? Because Venom likes her. He says he likes her. <laughs> that film's that film's got all this brilliant stuff because Venom's like like he wants to eat people's heads, but he's also a wise sage. Yeah. Who who will sort out Tom Hardy's yeah. shitty life? It's so bad. It's like talk to Eddie. Did you ever apologize? No. Why not? Oh, it's so fucking bad. apologize. 
There's that deleted scene that's amazing where they're sitting in the car and he's just like, Eddie, try, yeah, not, yeah, being such a dick. It's like... They it's must great. have known they were making a shit. Yeah, they knew what they were doing. Um, uh, and people say that I'm an idiot for liking How to Train Your Dragon. How to Train Your like, Dragon's good. Everyone loves How to Train Your Dragon. One and two. Yeah. Yeah, people hate No those. one likes those films. No, like... And everyone loves those films. They're freaking... I, I've had people tell me they're shit. They're, they're wrong. Those, both of those films are fantastic. But I love those films. Yeah. I just can't believe Venom, Justice League. Venom was the best comic book movie released last year. Other than Black Panther and uh, Avengers and, 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 and Justice uh, League. Justice League wasn't last year, but I'm going to bump it into last year. Why not? And for Ragnarok? For Ragnarok, that was perfect in every yeah. way. That wasn't last year, it was 2017. That no, was last year. Yeah, 2018. No, because it's before when... It's, no, it's 2017. Because it's not after Avengers Infinity War. Oh, no, you're right. It's yeah. the, back in 2017. No, so what was last year? Oh, Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse was the yeah. best Spider-Man movie last year. Cool. So you were technically right. Yeah, Venom was the best one. You were technically right that Sony made the best best superhero film of last year, but you picked the wrong film. It was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. But anyone could do that by accident. Yeah, they could mix those two up. Because yeah. Venom had the end credit scene that was Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, yeah. which someone actually online said, I went to see Venom twice. I hated the film, but at the end, that bit from Into the Spider-Verse, Spider-Verse was worth it. Yeah. Spider-Verse is just the perfect film. It's so good. It's great. It is. It's a fucking... It's a scene where it's like, your invisible thing doesn't work when you're holding a computer. <laughs> it's like, okay. It's fantastic. That Doc Ock, the, um, the way that the live. limbs move. Yeah, live. The way the limbs move, and they like sort of, they shudder as they mm. move. Oh, so good. Oh. I really want to watch Enter the Spider-Verse again. We can, it's in cinema. Yeah, I'll go see it again. I've got unlimited Odeon tickets, so I can see it as many times as I want. All right, you're done now with our yeah. ridiculously long fucking episode because long you episode. decided to talk about Aquaman for seven years. I'm sorry, and Bird Box. <sighs> I'm hashtag triggered. I thought we were off to a good start. I thought we were off to a good start. Yeah. A six minute review, get it in quick. I mean, I spent 20 some minutes on Power Rangers Operation Overdrive, but that's an important review. Yeah, but I encourage you to spend more time on that because it was fun to talk about it. Mm. I like talking about Power Rangers. I might have a Kamen Rider series soon. Yeah, I've got a Kamen Rider game that I was going to ask you if you wanted to do a video for. No. Which Kamen Rider game? I'm not going to tell you until you say yes. No. PlayStation? Well, there wasn't any good PS1 Kamen Rider games. That's terrible. No, it's the wrong era. There wasn't any Kamen Rider around in that era. I've got a SNES one, I've got an arcade one, I've got a NES one. New emulators. <laughs> right. Say goodbye to the children. Bye everyone. If you want to get hold of that, you can find him at LV54SpaceMonkey on Twitter, or you can find him on YouTube as Mellow Gaming, the most popular Mellow Gaming channel on all of YouTube. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the time this goes up, I might have posted him in What Remains of Edith Finch video finally. It's been in the production for a He's year. He's been doing this for a year. I saw you playing that game. It looks very exciting. Oh, Something to do with semen. Yes. That was um, that was gentle jousting. Right, do we ever play that? No, it's no. a sexy game. It is a sexy game. It's all the shuddering. It's all um, sound effects. Yeah. <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter at Critapocalypse, and you can find me on YouTube at Critapocalypse. Yeah, YouTube channel you do a lot on. Yeah, I do tons on. And you can find me on PS4 or or Xbox don't, at Critapocalypse. get messages, don't. And you can find me on Twitch oh, fuck's sake. as Critapocalypse. Really? Uh, you can find me on Mixer as Chris Apocalypse. Yeah. yeah about everywhere. Bebo? Bebo? Yeah, you're on Bebo. MySpace? MySpace, yeah. Friend, face party? Face party? Do you have a face party? No. It was before Facebook and everything. It was like the social network thing. 
Oh. Yeah, before MySpace. And I used to have an intranet messenger when I first started yeah, working. Yeah. And someone got caught sending sexy messages to people. Sexy. Yeah. Was not this guy. The first time. <laughs> anyway, everyone, have a good couple of weeks and we'll see you on the flippity floop. Bye. The trippity drop. The hippity hop. Bye. Bye.